to this, the 176th episode of Radio Free Nintendo, the final episode of RFN before 2010 begins. This is Greg, and with me is a reduced form cast of James <laughs> Jones. I am reduced. <laughs> and the host of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition, Michael T.Y.P. Cole. Hello, I'm not Johnny, but I'll try. Don't, <laughs> please, please don't. Oh, it's the the, uh, the accent's going to have to shape up for a start. I'm not, Sorry, uh, <laughs> I don't have that 60s man draw. Oh, no, it's oh, it's no. difficult, it's difficult to, um, to measure up to the Mets. <laughs> I found out myself. So, yes, yeah, so this is the last show of the year. Obviously, the end of the year is a natural time to kind of look back on, uh, on what's been going on in the past year. But I, I decided that we should actually look back a little uh, farther than that. And uh, we're going to take a look back at the whole Wii's existence so far, the past three years of the uh, of the generation. I think it's a pretty significant turning point in a console's life for three years. Obviously, with the GameCubes, it was pretty much the point where its it life the went death into point. death. Exactly. <laughs> it was that all over That is a turning point, then. in a way, yes. They're quite decisive, I think. <laughs> even, even, and even the GBA was, was uh, kind of on its way out uh, three years in because, of course, the DS was uh, coming along not to compete with it, no, not Third to replace pillar. it. Third really, pillar. It wasn't only three years. That was longer than that, wasn't it? It was, it was the summer of 2001 and then by the holiday 2004. But the GBA had such good times. That's so crazy. It is hard to believe, but uh, it's hard to believe that we are, in fact, that far into the Wii's life. And yet, uh, certainly, the end doesn't feel so close on the horizon. Oh, I, uh, well, a little, little bit, little bit this Christmas, but we know there's stuff out there. <laughs> well, so we'll get into all of that in later on in the show when we we take a look back and, and just kind of obviously we all know it's been a huge commercial success there's not much to say about that but how it's you know how it's affected gamers how it's affected us how, and of course Nintendo fans generally um and you know how has it lived up to our expectations so that's all coming up in, in later on but first we are going to start off with what should be a pre- pretty brisk new business segment and as is customary we will start with TYP as our guest so uh, let's catch up with uh, what you've been playing since you last uh, appeared on the sure. show sure well i've actually been playing video games for starters that's that's kind of <laughs> new to me um, not, not ludo <laughs> yeah jeez i mean uh, so obviously, I've been playing New Super Mario Brothers Wii. I don't know what you guys were talking about taking your time completing it. Like I, I was done with it like a week after I wrote my wrote my review. So uh, I've got a hundred percent. And and for those wondering about um, which levels are and are not worth unlocking, if if kind of time is valuable <laughs> to you, my my recommendations are the fourth, fifth, and seventh levels. H- have you guys had a chance to uh, to unlock those yet? Well, I've unlocked about half of them, but of those, I've only unlocked the fourth. Yeah. One. I'm down to a handful of star coins spread across right. about four worlds, so it, uh, it's it, I'm very close. I, I might lose my card to this podcast. I haven't even beaten the, the core game yet. Oh. I've been busy with other other site-related activities. Well, I mean, vis-a-vis the DS game, it was a lot easier to chip away at it when it's portable. Yes, I mean, that's yes absolutely, it is. That, there's no doubt about that. I have to set aside time to play it versus, hey, right. I have a few minutes, let's play it. Yeah. But um, I have to say, I was, I'm was i overall pretty disappointed with the special stage of uh, of this game. 
Um, mm. th- those three that I call out are, are pretty crazy, but the other ones are, as Johnny kind of suggested, are, are not as special as one would hope, especially since they were kind of lazy on how they unlock them. I mean, it's just use your coins to unlock them versus like in Mario World where like, oh, I had to find a secret exit. And then I guess you do have to find some secret exits to, to get all the star to coins. To get all the stars, But yeah. it's not quite the same. It's not the same feel, you know? I, no, I mean, fi- finding the special world, it, it was very much a case of finding it. I mean, yeah. it, was, you know, it was an active process through the star roads that right. you found it. And so that was that was very special. This is very upfront. You complete the core game and it's like, there it is. That's something to shoot for. Which I guess, you know, makes the sort of uh, achievement framework more transparent. Sure. But uh, the, those three levels are, are pretty difficult, especially 9-7 is, is very difficult. Um, I don't know. What are the rules of engagement? Can I talk about uh, some of these levels? I, I, I think it's pretty safe at this point, to be honest. So, but... so um, 9-4 is interesting because it's all takes place basically on pipes and um it just gives it a very farcical uh force scrolling level that just throws a lot of crap at you and um if you're going for the especially that last coin is really difficult is this the uh, one with all the bombs as well this is the one with all the bombs and, yeah. and in the beginning like there's an area where if, if you're slow they'll blow up and, and destroy your ground basically yeah you'll be you'll have nothing to stand on yeah and then nine five is a vertical level that's actually quite tricky and it it's sort of reminiscent of ice climbers or something where, uh, <laughs> it, you know, got a penguin suit, you're trying to go up platforms and, and some of the platforms are really tricky at, at what point it relies upon you freezing baddies to proceed. Um, and, and some of them are kind of small, so it's easy to fall and you'll, you know, fall down quite a ways at some places and you'll have to climb back up. So, um, that's pretty challenging, and then the the, yeah, the good, to, good to hear the power up sort of getting used in yeah, a no, somewhat I, different way. Yeah, I think that Nintendo did a very good job of leveraging the power ups in this game, especially compared to New Super Mario Brothers on DS. Oh, yeah, that, that that's one of the biggest separations between the two. I for mean, my I think the penguin suit is, is brilliant. It's a mishmash of the frog suit, and I, I don't know. I guess the like sort of like a fireball. In a way, well, but, yeah, it, sure. and, and also a little bit like the the Koopa shell, though easier to manage. The Koopa shell, way way better. Way better. Than the Koopa shell. Yeah, <laughs> Koopa shell's a liability. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was it was like the hard mode or something. Yeah. I don't know what to call yeah. it. The the last one that I call out nine seven um, is really difficult because uh, the t- game takes completely on ice blocks. That if you have firepower. You'll you'll melt, and there are lots of prana plants that shooting fireballs at you, and and so it's really difficult. And, you know, it's kind of if you can progress through it quickly, uh, that's much better for you. But they make it difficult, and and where they place the walls and everything, it's it's kind of hard to jump, and you know the ground's slippery, so it, oh, it's cool. it's really challenging, especially if you want to go for the coins. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad I just picked up uh, quite a lot of uh, star coins on the Sky World because uh, that's yeah. uh, getting me closer to that so one. Th- I would I would say that nine seven is the hardest level in the game and one of the most interesting definitely. I guess the reason why there's a lot of pressure on these uh, secret levels in World Nine is because there's so few of them elsewhere. There really isn't yeah. a great many of them that are just connected to the regular world maps. And those that are are quite good. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting decision to have so few. Yeah, I almost felt like it was it was kind of where we want to prioritize and and we don't want to spend the time to create an intricate map. I I, I really get the sense mm-hmm. that Nintendo feels like they perfected it in World and and don't really want to spend the time to do it again. 
kind of kind of like their attitude towards Star Fox 64 unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I want to go that far. <laughs> uh, I mean, it would be nice to see them. I mean, they've done Metroid with this branching areas, you know, plenty of times. It would be nice to see, to see them to go back and, and do something like that for uh, for a Mario game. May- maybe Mario Galaxy 2 will do it. Who knows? Well, maybe one novel uh, thing to do, certainly. Anyway, um, I've also been playing uh, Sin and Punishment 2, which I received for Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> So making use of the Japanese Wii again. Is, is, I, I is, is am. Wild, yeah, believe it or not, I, I am making use of my Japanese Wii. And, you know, when I when I asked for it for, for a present, I, I fully assumed that, well, it'll be out in like January, February here. But <laughs> but now it's like, oh, wow, I really, <laughs> it's a good thing I you did You see, this. you're part of the, uh, the Schadenfreude Brigade, are you? That's rather pleased that it's coming out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I haven't played too much of it, and I've been playing it on easy because uh, that's just sort of the way I, I approach Oh, I have not like tried this. easy yet. I intend to try it at some <laughs> Greg, point. Greg is now actually challenging your credentials, by the way. Well, that's fine. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I it's, it's a tried game easy. Like I think this. it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to be honest, because I, 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 in some ways I kind of regret playing it on normal in some parts because it ended up being so heavily broken up because you would right. get stuck so much. There wasn't too much of a flow at times, but. I mean, right. it was satisfying to overcome that at the same time. It, it, it's a bit of a trade-off, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I'm uh, of the uh, ilk, I guess is the right word. I, I believe that with a game like this, a treasure game, where, where it's quite difficult, even on easy mode, that it's more fun to play it on easy and get a feel for the game and kind of have that roller coaster ride. I mean, this game is, is balls out action and yes. it's really, I mean, I've died a, quite a few times, even on easy mode and I'm not the best at these sorts of games, but I, I did play through uh, at least some of sin and punishment on the N64 and, and you know, it's just fun. It's therapeutic to be go around shooting things. It's very old school. The, the stages themselves are quite long they are very long. I was just, I was surprised at quite how extended they were. Yeah, and, and there's an interesting variety. I mean, it has some areas that are are 3D more like going into the stage, and then there's some that are 3D yeah. that are 2D kind of going side scrolling, and and it just it's really good old school fun, and it requires a lot of focus. So I find myself only playing maybe one or two stages at a time because it just sort of sensory overload. It, it it very much is. Although I think as long as the stages are, the checkpoints are frequent, so it doesn't have to be mega extended play sessions. Uh, right. Uh, you have to play it in uh, to make any kind of progress. So if you do find yourself somewhat worn out by it all, it's, it's, uh, you can play it in short yeah. bursts. Well, one one thing I noticed that I maybe just because I I didn't play Sin and Punishment on on hard mode or or what, but it seems like there's a lot more crap jumping out at you in this game than in the original. Like things like like oh crap, here's something, go deflect it right away. Um, I don't remember that being there a lot in the. N64. I think some of it is just the game is busier. You know, the the graphical yeah. power of the console and all that. They, yeah, they've got it all working. And also, I I don't think I haven't played easy, but certainly between normal and hard, the the content of the game doesn't scale in the same way as it did with the N64 one. Mm. It's just the damage and you know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it may even be on easy, all the same stuff is there, but you've just got a more of a margin for error for dealing with it. That, that's probably the case. Um, so that's yeah, pretty busy compared that, to the original. <laughs> yeah, so right. Well, since I played, I mostly played Sin and Punishment on easy, and, and I don't know, I only got to maybe halfway through the game on normal before kind of giving up. 
uh, moving mm-hmm. on. But it, it's it, you know it's a lot of fun. It, it it's very different from a lot of other things on uh, on the Wii. Um, I guess you could say it's similar to something like House of the Dead, but even that's it's different. It's, 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 I mean, I haven't actually got one of those light gun type games yet. I'm, I'm kind of amenable to it. I guess there's yeah. just been quite a few of them. I've never really settled on one being the one to get, and they keep yeah. coming out. But, but just the fact that you're avoiding things like, exactly. on screen, it, it makes it feel very different. It's 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 so involved. Yeah. It's in a punishment. It's so involved. You're always dodging. You're deflecting yeah. stuff. You, I, there's a certain amount of strategy about you know which enemies you should. Prioritize mm-hmm. killing because their attack patterns are different and all this stuff. That doesn't seem like it would be there in one yeah. of those shooting gallery games to anywhere near the extent. Yeah, so so I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. I, I have a little bit of concern over longevity just because I'm not a huge score attack person. Mm. But I, I probably would be interested in at least getting through like normal mode without it's, dying on each stage. It's it's um, a it's a pretty it's a pretty long game, and uh, but I'd also I'd say the score system has nuances and designs oh, that it, that are much greater than the original. Yeah. It, it, Definitely, the multiplier system is very uh, well thought out. Yeah, because it kind of because the fact that your multiplier dips as you take damage, and then you have to sort of work to get it back yeah. up by hitting foes without getting damage. Your your performance relative to the score is constantly being assessed, essentially, um, which I think is is a nice sort of. Uh, you know, continuous way of of, of of showing how well someone did in the score. And also, there's a subtlety that I didn't notice when I played through it the first time, which is you spend a lot of the time in the air, but any time that you can go on the ground, if you do, you automatically accrue points. So really? it's actually... Yes, you actually just the score just starts counting up as soon as your feet touch the floor. So what it's doing is encouraging you, and and if you, I think if your multiply is big, that's really significant points that you're earning there. So what it's encouraging you to do is actually in those situations, don't dodge around in the air like a crazy person. Actually, kind of make it harder for yourself. But wow. if you if you can do that, then you can really boost your score a great deal. So there's a it's really subtle stuff, a lot more so than the original, which had a very basic hit count and overall score. So I mean the the, the score attack element of the game is is well developed. My only criticism would be is that the stages are long. And the score attack sort of is only split up by stage. Right. If you die near the end, then it's like too bad. You lose your points. Yeah. You still. I mean, you still did well, but you didn't yeah. do the whole thing. I think they could have made it more inviting for players if they actually, if you could actually do score attack based on like a third of each stage. You know, split it up into three sections and mm. have that and make that kind of the gateway point. Like, oh, I'm, I'm quite good at this half of a level or whatever. I yeah. can do that. I'll play through that, and then you sort of get good at that, and then maybe you can try the whole level at, at, at some other point. So, uh, other things I, I wanted to touch on for the game, um, it has a crazy-ass story, which I don't think will make sense even Can in English. Can you fathom any of it with your... No, absolutely your greater... not. No. no. <laughs> it, <laughs> I don't think that Japanese people understand the story either, as, as far as I can tell. It, it, I it almost hope sense. not, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I hope they do. And then they intentionally just scramble it off when they release it in the U.S. It's yeah. like, hey, watch this. It's definitely taking a cue from those animes that just try to confuse the hell out of people, making it look cool. Yeah, it seems um, that way. It really does. 
Um, but yeah, apparently the girl is like immortal or something. She can like fall into spikes and not die. And <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's a very useful skill in day to day. Well, life. she teleports. That's like she fell like near the beginning. She falls into spikes. And he's like, "Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." She like teleports somewhere else, and she's like, "No blood, nothing." Maybe it's all. It'll all make sense. It'll be yeah. worth buying the game again. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Also, the art direction's odd. I I don't remember if maybe you said this before, but the characters kind of look like golflings. Yes, yeah, so that would. <laughs> Uh, is that yeah, what you is that what you said last time? I, I, I think that it was the dark crystal puppets. Yeah, as well, right. The gulflings, yeah. the dark crystal puppets. Yeah. They really oh. do. They have like these elongated features. Oh no! It's like the, the cutscenes. There, there's surprisingly little detail at times in the cutscenes. No, they didn't really sort of amp it up, did they? I mean, yeah. I understand. I, I I thoroughly approve of the fact that the game prioritizes the frame rate. It has to prioritize the frame rate because the smooth pointer tracking is essential. Oh, sure. To, to the gameplay. So, I mean, yeah. you know, detail and all that sort of stuff is not important in-game, but they didn't really seem to correct for that in the cutscenes. The, the game looks great in motion, in part of it's because there's so much stuff on, on the screen and things are going so fast. It doesn't really matter that, that things aren't detailed, really, in the textures. Yeah, but exactly. But once, it's, once it's you slow down and you have the cutscenes, it's like, that console looks really fugly, you know, that you're typing at. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like N64 quality there. <laughs> I, I I did notice that in some of the things that some of the images I've seen, where I'm like, that looks really bad. Like maybe they should just not release still images of this game. Yeah, just, just, just don't. Yeah, just be the first game they've ever published with no still images. It's I mean a little bit. It's, you know, I'm not gonna say it's not li- literally like F zero X or anything, but the, no. sort of the priorities are the same. You know what I mean? Right, as it should be, I think. Um, especially given the limited resources to develop the game. Uh, anything else on Sin and Punishment 2 before we... Uh... Uh, no, I, I, that's about all I have for now, um, except that uh, I, I'm definitely enjoying it, and uh, although I wouldn't say it's like Star Fox exactly, it, it definitely kind of scratches that itch. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's definitely as close as uh, we've got for quite a while, yeah. I'd say. Um, and, and, I mean, and, and just finally, I mean, the controls... I mean, you, you find them that it makes it a lot oh, more abso- approachable. A- abso- absolutely. I mean, the difficulty level makes it a challenge, but it, it's it's not like brain-inducing. Brain-inducing. What the hell does that mean? It's it's not seizure-inducing. It's, it's kind of it's kind of what we talked about last week in terms of the difference between you know, the actual challenge of the game and just the, the accessibility of of the interface. Right, right. And this is definitely a more accessible interface to begin with before you have to grapple with the actual you know, difficulty of the yeah, game. I, I have not tried using the the GameCube controller or anything. I, I or or the I don't own, I don't own a Zapper unfortunately, so I can't use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure you can simulate it pretty easily. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I guess we should probably move on. Um, one, one last game I, I played that you guys have talked about at length, but uh, I'm kind of late to the party, is Retro Game Challenge, which um, which I finally bought uh, after we used it for Radio Trivia. I just couldn't resist anymore. Yeah. And it was only 20 bucks. Mm, yeah, well, it's been out for quite a while now. It was, it was the start of the year, wasn't it? Right. So um, it's kind of strange in that although these are retro games... I, I wouldn't say that I really got into any of the games they're parodying when I was a kid during the 8-bit era. Like, I played Dragon Quest, but it was on my Game Boy, uh, like for Game Boy <laughs> Color. And I, I did play Star Soldier, which is what, what is it, so- Star Prince is, Star is largely Prince. based yeah. on. But I didn't really have fond memories of it when I played as a kid. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really interesting to play these again. And it's like, they take the old 8-bit style, but they s- improve it slightly so that... 
it's more acceptable to to modern There's kids. definitely it's the adherence is not totally slavish for the point. There's yeah. some really adroit little refinements that they make. Like for instance, one of the things I like most about Star Prince is the idea where you could sort of have that shield that you create, yes. and if you absorb like three hits, then it sends out an omnidirectional attack. Right. Uh, you know that those kinds of uh, slow, more, more sort of advanced gameplay elements would not have been in something like Star Soldier for the NES or indeed many shooters that follow. So it, it, in a way, it, it's strange because it, it's also trying to make fun of the these annoying um, aspects of 8-bit games like, uh, like oh, well, uh, do this whole thing again just because. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, so it has so that absolutely. stuff, but at the same time, like it knows that this isn't the only game. It doesn't have to be arcade evil about about a lot of things. So it gives you these codes that, that can give you infinite lives basically, or it can, you know, it's not afraid to make it so you can see the ending, even if you're not playing really all that well, because it knows, yeah, well, it's warps you know, Quad yeah, Quest isn't the yeah. only game on this thing. So they're not afraid to be generous with what the statistics you get on the level up with the Guardia Quest, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's a hard game, but it's not that hard because you don't have to grind for very long. So it's it's just really interesting compilation, and uh, one thing I will note is I hate the knockback in Haggleman Three, especially when you have yes. the, when you have the uh, when you have the what is it, like the float gear or whatever it's called. That, yeah, that makes you, go like you, just spent, you, you just keep, keep agonizing. <laughs> it's like no agonizing descent <laughs> that you can do nothing about, yeah. and it has you know consumable life, so. You know, right. you, and if you lose them, in a certain, you you'll lose you know a fair amount of your progress. Uh, right. Even though it's a, it's an explorative game, you know it's quite a weird sort of almost a bit Zelda Two in a way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, where if you die like that, you know one fell swoop yeah. down a pit rather than just you know your energy bar, it's that that's tough. I mean, it is Hagabat Three is really interesting, you know, with all the 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 way the upgrade system mm-hmm. works and all that. I mean, again. That's more progressive than most of the games that would have been coming out around 1990 or whenever right. it was supposed to be in the mythology of the game. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, and overall, it's a really cool game. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the best game ever or anything, but it's definitely a, a unique title. It's really nice for a handheld game, I, I think, yeah. you know, because it's a kind of, you know, in one cartridge, you've got a bunch of kind of different gameplay styles that you can go to. You can play them in free play and, you know, play for score in, mm-hmm. where that kind of applies, or, you know, or you can play that, that, that sort of meta game that there is, you know, of, of going through all the challenges and all that. It's, you know, I think it's great for the portable format. Right. Well, I mean, you. You picked up the, the sequel, right? That's right. Yeah, this segues nicely into what I've been playing uh, this way uh, because I picked up get well, it, it. Sort of the sequel is it's Game Center CX Two, which of course Game Center CX, the original, based on the Japanese TV show, it, it was was what Retro Game Challenge was was localized from. So it's it, obviously you're losing a lot when you don't have the localization from the point of view. Yeah, all the kind of a lot of the jokes. About the games and and you know. right, you you shooted ten enemies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, although the the funny thing is, is that the, some of these early games that they have, obviously because they're being authentic, they do have the weird like Japanese English in there. Yeah, which I would have I would have found more humorous before my stint in in Japan, but I still appreciate. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, if so, you, you're losing all the the get you know the games magazine stuff. Yeah, there's the, the, there was really nicely localized for the original, and and probably promote uh, presents a significant barrier to to localizing this one. If the first one did not perform that well, to kind of justify yeah. the effort, because it is an effort to go to to get to get this uh, carried over, and in fact more so in this case because uh, I played the uh, the first four games of eight and i think in this on this occasion there isn't really a, any of the direct repeats uh-huh. of um of the of, because as we as rally king in yeah. the original the racing uh-huh. game it is reprised almost identical form yeah, yeah the, the pacing in the original the pacing in the original game leaves something to be desired i think johnny talked about it plenty already yeah but um in the sequel, are they still eight bit games, or do they go into the sixteen? Well, so era, yeah, or? it covers a pretty similar range, but it, in terms of the time involved, but it, the, it covers it goes a bit different in terms of some of the kinds of games. For instance, the fourth game uh, that I've just got up to is actually a detective adventure game. Oh, so it's like like the Famicom Detective. Yeah, this ostensibly for the Famicom disk system, although it's you know the game computer floppy yeah, right. drive system or whatever. Ah. But uh, you know, though, so so this is super text heavy oh, now, man. which would make it completely unplayable. However, you know, you can find on the internet places where people have said just you know, just choose these options and you'll beat the challenges, and then you can play the rest of the games. So you know that 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 again would be a significant barrier to localizing the game. Because it's it is a lot, quite a lot of text, um, quite a lot of effort to go to, and it's actually this particular game is actually premised around obviously the the chap that plays the you've got the the game master or whatever Arena mm-hmm. in Retro Game Challenge. So in the Japanese TV show, he's the guy that gets subjected to playing all these old games. They make him do things like play through Calls of Ghost twice. Right. And, but here, because it's kind of woven into the story of the game, like this detective game, you're actually playing as that man. Huh. That's really meta. Doing sort of office investigations about why the conference room's empty and all that. You know, it's, it's clearly you're know, meant to be funny, meant to be right. ridiculous. Like, I think there was one puzzle where like you're trying to open the door and then someone on the other there's a voice on the other side of the door this mysterious voice and you have to ask it why the door won't open and they just tell you because it's a sliding door and you've been trying to just open it like it's a regular <laughs> door you know it's just stupid stuff like that but this is me just going off you know fan translations and whatever wow. i've been reading through to to get through this portion of the game so as you can see it would be quite a that particular part is really a departure from uh, from the stuff that's in the original retro game charge and, and some of the other ones are too for instance you've got a, a t- basically a tetris game mm-hmm. uh you know that's, that's supposed to be for the you know the, the handheld version of the game computer or whatever and then i think the final game is a super nes game essentially so that's a, a step uh, further forward than you ever had a retro game challenge, so I'm looking forward to that. And what that is is that you've deferred one of the games that I just finished the challenges on. It's called Demon Returns, which is basically Super Mario Brothers with a bit of a Gargoyles Quest presentation. Ooh. So you play with this little sort of cutesy demon guy, and you know, he grows when he gets a power up, and you know it's got a run button, sort of breakable blocks, and all this stuff. But one of the cool things it's got is you've got a similar sort of thing in terms of you can bop an enemy to immobilize it. Like like a Koopa, mm-hmm. but instead of just kicking the shell, you can actually get on top of it and ride around on it. 
I've only just completed the challenges, so I haven't seen that much of the, of that game yet. But that seems like a really kind of interesting kind of Mario clone. Then, then the final game is the sort of super version of that. Okay. With some Mode 7 stuff in it Ooh. and all this guys. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. That should be an interesting thing. So it's it's a shame knowing that, you know, you're missing out on all the extra stuff that made Retro Game Challenge really a cool experience that ties everything together and the culture references and yeah. all that. But still, I mean, the, the, the core games that I've played so far, I've been pleased with. And yeah, they have the same kinds of little refinements. Like there's a game that's basically Pac-Man that's called Wizman, but it's instead of just hey being, it's you know, instead of just eating the little pills or whatever. Like there's actually sort of like a dual kind of element to it. Like you've got a fire and ice thing going on, which just yeah, it seems kind of trivial, but it just makes it more interesting than just playing something that would be, literally be a Pac-Man clone. And so the, those games are still good and they're still fun to play. So, and so I'm glad I've got it. And I, I do hope that it would get localized. But evidently, by the fact that I chose to buy it, <laughs> I don't believe that's actually going to happen. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll move on now to James. Do you have anything to contribute before we wrap up new business? I've got lots of little things that I've touched on. I, I've started my third, fourth, fifth, I don't know, lifetime playthrough of Lufia 2. <laughs> I I don't know. I've played that game a lot of times, and there's usually about a two to three year gap somewhere between playthroughs. And I'm 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 at about that point in the announcement of the DS. This being remade, yeah. I, I'm not even sure I want to use remade because the story they described for the DS game in no way, shape, or form resembles the story from the SNES game, <laughs> except for the re except for the reuse of the main character. Okay. It doesn't even sound like the same game. Yeah, so, so in the, the Silent Hill kind of vein where maybe there's going to be some central kind of themes or plot points that are retained, but it's it's not simply retelling the same story. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like the same exposition or the same... Mm-hmm. I, I haven't even seen much mention of the titular protagonists from the first, from the SNES title, who are in the title of the game. <laughs> or rather, the antagonists, not the protagonists. I didn't even see mention of them in, in the story description. I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. <laughs> so I, I was, I've was i never played Luffy. I really don't know anything about it, but when you mentioned it was Square behind it, I was really confused until I realized that it was originally a Taito game. It was, and, yes. Yeah, it's so Square's Empire. Square's right? Empire, yes. Yeah. So it, it, it's Grows funny because um, when they acquired... Taito, it wasn't one of the franchises that came up. Did people just kind of say, well, 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 Taito really wasn't making that much. And in fact... Darius, it, James. Robofish yeah. must be destroyed, Darius. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually, when, when the DS game was announced, and I went back and reviewed the developer, which was actually Neverland Co., it, it didn't hit me until then how many games of theirs I, I put amongst the games that I really like. <laughs> so uh, any observations on uh, reliving the game uh, right now as opposed to the last time you did a couple of years ago? <laughs> was last time in 2006. <laughs> oh, well, we were, were about to revisit 2006 in there we a go. whole different way. You know, it was a different time, James. It's don't, actually don't one of the you. games I pulled out because I was busy waiting for the Wii to come out back, way back then. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> because there wasn't much coming on my GameCube. But it's it's infinitely better than the initial game in the series, which is Lufia, the Fortress of Doom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. 
great, great title. But it's it's actually a prequel to that game. So having come to the games much later, I played the second game first because basically the the first 30 seconds of the first game spoils the end of the second <laughs> game completely. I mean, it, it spoils the, every last element of that story in 30 seconds. So I played them out of order, and it I couldn't beat one because two is so much vastly better. Yeah. That's often the case with RPGs. I find that like if it's been around for a while, you know, if it's an older game, the second one builds upon the original in so many ways, usually, or even just a few subtle ways in the battle mechanics that it's really hard to go back and and, and play. Yeah. Like, you see, like the Final Fantasies, if you played four, you probably can't go back and play one very comfortably. You know? No. Yeah. So um, I had that same problem with the SNES Breath of Fire games, where I played two. And then I wanted to go play one. I played two because it was available, and I just just like one was just like oh, uh-uh, none of this. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, one one way in that Lufia well, two is different is that a lot of the dungeons are, are heavily puzzle based, and there weren't random encounters in the dungeons, which on the SNES is kind of a novelty. And I, I'm not very far into it on this particular playthrough, but I know I'm going to enjoy it, even though it's just kind of a time filler gameplay right now. Um. I also, in the midst of my my shopping, saw in one of the you know the bins that they put up near the cash register to get you on your last impulse buys. <laughs> I saw Tales of Symphonia: Dawn of the New World for fourteen bucks. No, which no! I, I know I know as much as everybody hates it, it's at least worth fourteen bucks. I don't know, man. I mean, I played through the whole thing. I, I put in the time up front. I was gonna get my. My, you, I mean, it's you earn your money if you, back. <laughs> the first five hours are the worst part of the game. Okay, I, I, they they it's so drawn out, and, and even the tutorial is like an hour long. And if you played oh. if you played the original, <laughs> or not the original, but if you played the GameCube one, yes, which I did, it's going to be very painful for you. I mean, there are some, oh. and the problem is, it takes an hour, and it doesn't tell you the things you actually care about. It tells you how Good. to do stuff that it's obvious, but it doesn't explain its <laughs> elemental <laughs> system very well, or the whole capturing baddies very well that you can then use in your party. Uh, it, it, none of that is explained well. The level up system for the great. old Pokemon-like creatures. It does not explain the parts that are important <laughs> that are actually new. So enjoy that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, the story isn't bad. It just it, it feels very drawn out, and there isn't enough new stuff in there that I cared about. Yeah. See, I, I bought it. I had intended to buy it when it came out because I played the original game at least twice, maybe three times. Yeah. That's why I, I totally like. Instead of playing the first one again, I'm like, oh, I'll hold out and play the sequel. And I, that was a mistake. I should have just played the original. Game. <laughs> really. That's just it. I played the first one at least twice, and because doesn't it actually use your save file from your GameCube game? You know, it does. I didn't get to do that and see what happened because in the great um, catastrophic reformatting of 2000, I don't know, 2004 maybe, uh, I lost my save file. Oh, oh, no. I still live in fear of that. Yeah. Yeah, see, I... Uh, I'm going to push the I Japanese had... button, and then I'm going to just push A too many times and reformat my 1,059 block or whatever it was. Oh, uh, God. Card. See, I, yeah. I game-plussed it twice at least. Yeah. So... I'm I'm actually afraid of what might happen when I go sync these up if it's going to be something really untenable and completely unmanageable. <laughs> yeah, from, I, I don't know what, what, what all transfers over and whatnot, but I, I'm sure that mm, it, yeah. it'll be worth it. Yeah, so I decided that when it came out and it kind of vanished pretty quick from shelves, I guess it didn't do particularly well. And and I saw it there, I'm like, well, sh- you know what? Whatever. Just toss it on the pile. What about the, uh, the next 
Tales game that recently came out of Japan, Tales of Graces, is it? Are you uh, yes. are you monitoring uh, I, that one? A, a little bit. Um, it kind of slipped under under my radar when it first was announced, so I'm still kind of... I think the reception in Japan has been quite good. Yeah, well, I mean, it. they eat those games up pretty much regardless of what they have. Sure, but I think better than the one that you're currently been <laughs> discussing. <laughs> <laughs> Which I haven't started yet, to be clear. I've, sure, I've, yeah. It's, it's still in its shrink wrap. <laughs> I've actually been following Dynamic Slash closer simply because it's so oh, over the yeah. top. Well, it's got a new name now. Is it Zangeki no Reginlev? Or... Yes. <laughs> Zangeki no Reginlev, yes. I don't even... I I that trailer is it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's something like beheading slash something is what it means. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the first ever Nintendo game to get a zero D. So apparently it's it's gory. Like, it, it is. It's it's a Earth Defense Force with Wii Motion Plus. I am yeah. I am stoked beyond belief for this game. But but the interesting thing is, I suppose he's got traditional controls as well. So I'm kind of injured how they square that circle. <laughs> Like you know, how differently don't. they play between the two, or how much Motion Plus is really being used, uh, and it's going to have online multiplayer, and it, it's yes. kind of surprisingly ambitious in certain areas. It, it's another one of these ones that was announced, um, you know, the, the the media summit in the winter of 2008 that disappeared for a long time, that's resurfaced, and uh, it's coming out in February in yeah. Japan. There's no way in hell we're ever getting this game, though. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Where are I just the, don't... Where are the Motion Plus games? Uh, maybe we'll save that for I, later, but seriously. Yes. Yeah, yeah well, sure. I, Good point. I, um, but uh, I also have been finishing up my my uh, experience with, with the Skycrawlers, having now completed, starting with normal, and then having cleared hard, and then completely destroying the final Aces mode, Aces and then realizing mode. that I can't unlock everything unless I go back and play easy. Oh, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> See, is- I know a lot because a lot of people have complained about that with achievements and trophies now that you know they sort of put it in so that it doesn't kind of you don't get credit for clearing easy because you've cleared a more difficult one. You yeah. actually have to go back and do the the simpler ones that you kind of skip. That over. is a huge oversight. Yeah, it, it's it's really bad because I not only did I beat the unlockable quote aces mode, I didn't get shot down the entire playthrough of it. Yeah, All but, 17 but, you levels. Know, you've got, you need to make sure that you can do easy. Okay? That's right. I mean, you need I may... to know that fact before we <laughs> I give may just you the take content. A nap during some missions, you'll be like, oh, look, I won. I think what you should do, James, is find someone else who's not familiar with the series. <laughs> give it to them. And give it to them, and, and they can play Enjoy. it on easy. It would have been easier in the with the GameCube because you could have given the memory card yeah. as well. Whereas yeah, now it's tied to the system, it's a bit yeah. Yeah, I, I'm curious what's left to unlock, like little parts and trinkets for my aircraft <laughs> that because uh, you can you, cost- can get, you can get red stripes that make it go faster. You, you can. <laughs> speed holes, speed <laughs> holes. Sorry, speed holes. Although you probably could get those from the enemies too. Mm. <laughs> but you can actually, you know, there are parts and things to enhance the aircraft performance in different categories you can unlock. And I'm missing like one engine. One body frame, a couple propellers, and a paint, and I'm like, mm. I oh, have to go the play OCD part of you squeeze. Stupid mode. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> considering I can beat the game now in one sitting, it's not a big deal. It's just why do I have to subject myself to play the easy mode when I've already definitively proven I can beat this well, game? Well, there's, there's two soundly. answers to that. You really shouldn't have to, but on the other hand, I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. On the other hand, I do have to because you who you're talking to. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, it's it's not 
I'm going to go ahead and call the game not challenging. But I'm going to struggle with this game, though. In terms of assessing it. Yeah, because it's not long. You know, I think I can beat it now in about three hours. But, you know, my initial playthrough was probably in the seven neighborhood because of failure. And yeah. there was there was failure. Mm-hmm. And then there's a harder mode. Yeah, and then there's a harder mode, and then there's an unlockable, even harder mode. To, to me, that's that's enough replayability in my book for this kind of a game. Yeah, if that's but if if you're interested in replaying the the aces mode, so you can say right. I am the ace of aces. Well, Greg, how how long is Sin and Punishment too? I mean, I've only gotten through maybe half of it. It's it's surprisingly long. It's got to be twice as long as the original game, if not longer. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty long. Okay. It's probably pushing like the it's probably somewhere in that uh, seven to ten range, maybe ten's probably a bit high. Maybe, uh, on, you know, but, play, you playing know. it just on like normal. On normal, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And then there's hard, and yeah, that is. I've been working my way through that very slow, very near the end now, uh, because it's quite testing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's not dissimilar. I mean, my question to you, James, would be in terms of it being easier: is is it easier just because of the kind of some of the finer points of balancing, or is it easier because it's been dumbed down at a more fundamental level? I wouldn't say it's been dumbed down. It's just not. Well, here's the thing: the the other games that they make have the same problem, where as you play through the game, you unlock new aircraft or new airframes and new bits and pieces. And when you get to aces mode, at the very least, you've already beaten the hard mode, so you've already unlocked most of the stuff. So you're not crippled by having what essentially amounts to dummy aircraft number one. And the game doesn't compensate for the fact that you've you know, it's a bit of an RPG kind of problem where yeah. it hasn't really scaled with the with the improvements in your right. your your ship. So there's essentially one one aircraft that I used for the entirety of the Aces playthrough, unless the mission necessitated I use a different one that I, I became untouchable in because it's just so ridiculously unbalanced. Mm. Well, that does sound like a balancing issue. I mean, I know the idea of getting people to collect this stuff is that it has a tangible yield that you 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 will feel more empowered in this <laughs> aircraft by virtue but but if it's getting to that point where you're unassailable, I think that that that's taking yeah, it too the, the, far. The, 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 this is actually a bigger problem in there in uh the Xbox game because you can take the unassailable aircraft online. <laughs> So basically, you come into online matches, and, and everybody's using that one aircraft, and it's just like, oh, you're shot down again. Oh, and you're gone again, and again, and mm. again. So it's everybody's down 20 times, but has 100 kills. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ultimate, just completely level playing field. No skill required. The, what, what I actually am going to struggle with with this game is they recently announced its price, which is much less price than... should not be an issue when you're reviewing well the game. it is an issue though no. i'm sorry no it isn't it, it is it is a seven hour game is worth less than a 12 hour game so you, so you think it's it's a recommended purchase at 30 dollars right and whereas at 50 dollars i might go mm, it's 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 harder to recommend the game at that price point at 30 dollars there's no reason not to buy this game it, it is 100 percent buy at 50 it's like well are, are you a fan oh, yeah then, okay then, Okay. That's where I'm going to struggle with it. Just how to express the fact that it's it's a budget game that's not a budget game, if if that makes sense. It's but it's budget price, but you don't. It's think not that a budget it, game. The, the production values and stuff. No, and in fact, not... I'm I'm going to go ahead and announce this game's already getting two nominations for our 2010 game of the year, which would be <laughs> which would be best audio and and the what was it the best 
a best bargain or something. Best dirigible. So, best dirigible. so the voice acting is actually good in this game? Well, it's done by professional voice actors that do that did stuff like Ghost in the Shell. It's not the it's not uh, there's not a great abundance of that on Wii. I certainly would no, like to hear and it's got certainly good would like sound- to hear the other nominees. It's got good sound effects and it's got music that's actually better than the movie's music. Hmm. I, I actually heard the music, I'm like they must have stolen this from the movie. And I went and I looked at the movie soundtrack. It's completely different music in a completely different style. <laughs> well, that's it doesn't sound anything like the movie music. It's just how many ways can we repackage this one song while playing it with a harp? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, so that's going to do it for New Business. And then when we come back after this break, we, as promised, we're going to go and take a look at the Wii at three. <laughs> Here's a quick look at the best original content at our website, now playing at NintendoWorldReport.com. Now that Christmas is over, there's nothing left to do but sit back and enjoy the rest of the holidays. Of course, we here at Nintendo World Report never rest, and this week is no exception. Neil Ronahan gives us his impressions of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles The Crystal Bears. This week's review lineup features Astro Boy for DS and a slew of Wii reviews, including Modern Warfare Reflex, Jurassic The Hunted, and Need for Speed Nitro. We also have previews of Shin Megami Tensei's Strange Journey for the DS, along with Shirin the Wander and Trauma Team for Wii. Our bloggers were also busy this week. Neil laments his lack of discipline with EA Sports Active, and James Charlton tells us what he'd like to see done with the Wii Achievement System. And don't forget to check out the NWR Newscast and TYP's own Radio Trivia Podcast. Have a happy holiday, and we'll see you next week. back and now we're going to get into our look back at the life of the Wii so far so yes it has been more than three years obviously it was November 2006 uh, in North America and I think December for Japan and Europe and since then it's you know become this commercial behemoth and sold more than 60 million units all over the world and it's the clear market leader everywhere which Nintendo had never even done before in Europe so it's uh, it's all you know pretty momentous stuff but I wanted to take a look back at what it's meant for us, for gamers, for Nintendo fans, and you know what the experience of the three years has really been like. Um, so we're going to get jump right into that now. The first part that I wanted to concentrate on was some of the hardware-related concerns. First of all, the graphics. So obviously, it was a big somewhat controversial thing at the time that Nintendo was essentially going to sidestep the whole generational leap thing in graphics and not keep pace with Sony and Microsoft to release something that was fundamentally similar to the GameCube in that area. And how did you feel, James, for instance, at the time when that was announced? You know, was was it a big deal for you? Were you very disappointed or crestfallen, as some well, people seem to be? Well, it depends on which which announcement we're talking about here. Because when they first did that E3, where they just held up a piece of plastic and said, "This is the future," <laughs> they, they had kind of uh, the the I believe that was the three to five times more powerful than the GameCube 
comment I, came I, out. Yeah, it was something like was, or was it two to three? I forget. It was it was something like that. Because I remember I did the I did the mental math on that, and then I actually wrote the mailbag a letter because I wasn't staff at the time, and uh, I believe it was I can't remember who answered it, but said, "Oh, it's probably just something that she said out of the corner of her mouth, having seen games." And it turned out she was probably that was probably the most accurate statement in regard to that. <laughs> Because at the time, if you did the math and you upped the processor speeds by a factor of three to five, that was still a fairly potent console. But I had kind of tuned back my expectations. So when I finally – see, I don't think we finally had a real grasp on what the console was capable of until the launch games came out. Because even even when we had that those Red Steel images from the initial issue <laughs> of, uh, of uh, Game Informer, they looked a lot better in still images than they actually well, I think there was some uh, touching up going no, on. No, there, no, 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 no. There, there's no think about it. There yes, was touching indeed. up done, done on, on a major level. But of course, I mean, I think, as you said, that was the beginning of it. The sort of the, the scaly back of expectations where they, they threw that number out there. I think somewhat inadvertently because you didn't hear it again. Right. And it, and it was wrong. I mean, it's just a not, it's not an accurate statement either. Sure, sure. But obviously when we got to the point where it's like, well, Twilight Princess is going to be a launch game that's on both the GameCube and Wii. And, you know, yeah. you, you, you knew... Uh, which way the wind was blowing with that. So for you, James, you kind of eased your way into it over time. Oh, see, that's just it, though. I'm still not sure what the Wii's capable of. Yeah, that's that's part of it, too. I think a lot of it is that the graphical hardware and the limitations of it, it isn't really a big deal to me. Uh, to me, the, the bigger deal is yeah. his lack of like art direction and people that aren't interested, developers that aren't interested or don't have the funds or whatever, uh, don't feel necessary to to take advantage of the hardware the way that people were able to leverage the GameCube. I mean, because there were a lot of great games on the GameCube that looked awesome, and we just don't Absolutely, see that as often yeah. on Wii. They just don't prioritize the graphics. So, this, so that, would be my, that would be my first question related to this then. So taking it as a sense of, well, you know, the actual the hardware specs in themselves don't mean a whole lot yeah. coming well, in. Well, they, they do, but they're not everything, I think. Well, they're not, yeah, they don't, they're not the whole ball game coming in. Has the actual experience of the past three years therefore been a disappointment to you relative to what you thought could be done using sort of incrementally better hardware? It not, I wouldn't say necessarily at the fault of the hardware. Yeah, I wouldn't I say mean, it's the hardware. No, no, I'm not, this all. isn't about, I'm saying the experience of the games, the games you have played personally, has it been below what you were hoping for, even though you knew it was going to be a less graphically powerful system? Oh, oh definitely. I would say that... I could count on one hand the, the number of games on the Wii that look better than Wind Waker does. Yeah. And Wind and Wind Waker was what? 2003. Yeah, I mean it's it's well, a 2002 mi- in Japan actually. It's a, it's a relatively early GameCube game and It is. And there's probably what? 6 games total that look better on Wii. And the Wii is a more powerful system. I mean, it's not... Mm, it's, and also, you know, the techniques, programming, every software development has moved on in the interim. You should and, be able to do more with less. And it's not just that. The system I mean, this is this is a little inside baseball. The GameCube wasn't a well-designed system. It had some some fairly noteworthy flaws in its design that they resolved in the Wii. 
appreciably, they should be getting more than the, the incremental power boost out of it because it's a more efficient system and because they have more efficient coding techniques. It really comes down to graphics aren't a focus of, of the development teams that are dedicating themselves to Wii. You know, Nintendo has a few teams that care. You know, Super yeah. Mario Galaxy looks beautiful, but you know they don't really care about having good-looking graphics for Wii Sports Resort or mm-hmm. Wii Fit because they almost see like impressive graphics as almost being intimidating to to their target audience. They they want something that's simple. Friendly. It's like, oh, this doesn't look like it's that hard to to approach because you know to it's simple with, yeah. caric- caricatures, you know. Well, and and the third parties that that really really care about graphics aren't aren't going to focus on Wii because they're going to go to the HD consoles. Yeah. And, so, well, I think this, all of these things are true, but I mean, is it has that has the reality of that experience been an appreciable disappointment in you know of you know, living through this now and playing these games in terms of the technology in terms of like the the graphics well it's yeah in terms of the kinds of experiences that you've had over the past three years do you feel they've been less than you hope they would be Absolutely. because they haven't applied the effort in that area Absolutely we might be getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit but just looking at my gaming habits over the last 2 years ever since I got done with Super Mario Galaxy. I've just been kind of in a slump. I haven't really been playing many video games because Nintendo first-party games are kind of my core titles, and there really wasn't much for me over the last no. two years. And I didn't migrate over to PlayStation 3 very well, so I found myself in no man's <laughs> land. <laughs> well, I mean, it, that's definitely going to be a kind of key question. That I think we're going to close on is it, just you know the literally the quality of the of the games themselves and how well Nintendo yeah. fans but have been sort of serviced. To bring it back to the hardware, I think more than graphics, the the real limitations have been in the storage space, uh, in lack of digital audio, and and most importantly, the in, lack of online infrastructure that that's manageable. Yeah. I think that's far more important than having HD. I, I think HD is neither here nor there. It, a lot of the reason why we don't see some of the games we probably would like isn't necessarily because of the, the graphics, but because there is not a, a well-structured uh, online environment that third parties can leverage, or even first parties can leverage. Yeah, it, it's basically uh, the mm. Wild West when it comes to online strategy. Just do whatever the hell you want. Just you better use friend codes. It's hands off, and you know, it, it's certain. It's a case of whether certain developers want to try and pick up the ball and run with it. But even in that case, it seems that it's quite difficult to do that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen developers that come out and say they're they're overly committed to it, and then just fall flat on their face. Yeah. And I am. And I am explicitly looking at you, the conduit. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. Well, which, which, but I mean, like, you know, other systems have downloadable content. Not that I really care too much about this, but other systems have add-on packages with downloadable content, which are cheaper to develop and kind of can help get money back from, from development costs for, for these developers and publishers. And Nintendo's Wii can't do that because there isn't enough storage space and in the infrastructure to really be able to do this well, downloadable content. I mean, content. It's, it's certainly been shown that it's, that it's somewhat possible. You know, they've had the storage uh, sort of fixed yes. this year and they had the, 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 you know, you've had Guitar Hero and Rock Band and all that sort of stuff. But the fact that it wasn't set up for it from no. day one and all right. this sort of stuff. It, it changes how developers approach it. It changes perceptions of users. It, and it's still kind of a, a, a patchwork fix, to be exactly. honest. I mean, you'll see you'll see huge add-ons to some other games that, that really have a brand new mode to the game that you've just downloaded. Like, what is it, for Resident Evil 5, they have, they have something that was pretty big as a downloadable add-on. And... Uh, 
and I haven't seen anything like that for Wii. Has there been anything beyond like an additional song or something no, like that in terms of really. you know, no, new I, levels? I, I not, not that I could readily uh, call to mind, certainly. I think we go back to the to some of the issues about with visuals. I mean, I guess one of the things that I kind of had to get used to with it when when we had this announcement was, you know, I'd got used to the fact that, you know, over previous console generations that, you know, Nintendo's games were going to kind of wow me in some way. You know, they offered, you know, stuff like Star Fox, F-Zero, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time. You know, these are landmark technical events as well as great games mm-hmm. at the time. Right. And, and, and GameCube also. I mean, the, as you said, you know, that there were really tremendous visual experiences on GameCube, Wind Waker being probably really chief among them for me. And so it was, a, it was a process to think, well, you know, the next big Zelda game or, you know, the next big Metroid or whatever it's going to be, you know, they are not going to make that impact on me you know, probably ever again because I guess, you know, once you take this step back, you know, they're probably never going to vault to the head of the queue again and certainly the success of Wii makes that seem uh, practically impossible. So, I mean, that was that was an adjustment, but I think I've, I've kind of, that part of it, I've, I've kind of ceased to care about really. I mean, certainly when you look at something like Galaxy, I think you see that it can still kind of impress you and, and, and have a sense of wonder right. about it, even though it isn't that cutting edge no. because of what they did with the art direction and the fact that they did pretty much all that they could. They didn't cut corners. Right. Um, so, I, but I, I suppose I would share with you the, the, the sense that there hasn't been, you know, even from Nintendo the most effort applied because it makes sense that everyone else is is not going to have their most sort of graphically preoccupied teams working on Wii games you accept that but Nintendo can only work on Wii Mm -hmm. so surely that segment of the company that produced all these landmark you know uh, technical sort of things in the past would still want to push the boat out as far as they could on Wii but that hasn't happened all that often um, so far and I, I have found that to be somewhat disappointing, I, I must say. Well, to be to be fair, uh, you know, Twilight Princess was was dual platform, and and one of the teams that would be pushing the graphics would be the Zelda team. So yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. We have to kind of wait and see what this next Zelda looks like. And, and... Uh, well, I think I think this next Zelda season is a big deal because definitely looking at Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker. I mean, those were two big kind of wow factor games for me. You know, those experiences of, of seeing playing them for the first time. There was a sense of wonder about playing them and it, whether they could still do that on, on Wii with this next Zelda when by the time it comes out you know at the end of 2010 at the earliest presumably may well be 2011 you know the Wii is going to be aging in itself let alone the fact that it's you know basically from 2001 yeah so it would be I mean I assume it's going to have to do it more based on the the motion controls is is how it's going to have to engender that sense of discovery this time but i mean that that might be where i feel it the most acutely because i love for me zelda in that way is 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 something that you know i really kind of value that visual element well see i think honestly i think depending on what they do with the style they they could still visually wow you i think if they could i think you could put out a game like Wind Waker now, and it would still be a pretty jarringly pretty game to look at because it's just it's it's an artistic decision right. that you yeah. can do on limited hardware, but still be blown away by how it looks and still say this is a technically proficient game, even though it's not a big resource I mean, user. Yeah, 
people are still wild by some DS games, and I don't even mean that in the context of oh, for a handheld, this is great. Some DS games just genuinely look pretty good, and, yeah. and so if it's the case for a DS, it can certainly be the case for a Wii game. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Which I think is what that, that was definitely the mindset that I that I had sort of coming into it. So uh, that is why it's kind of probably performed a bit below expectations for me. But I mean, I, I, one thing I wonder about in terms of the issue of HD. You know, at the time, it was concerned for some people, perhaps, but maybe not for that many people. Do you think the 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 standard definition limitation has has become more glaring and more of an issue as we've gone in time? And obviously, there's way more people with HD TVs now. I think it looks more and more like it, like a a bad decision. I think I don't think it's it's it it hurts them any more. Or less, I think, it, but it becomes more apparent that their future gazers weren't as smart as they claimed to be. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think look, at the end of the day, you can't argue with with the sales of no, the system. No, you can't. I mean, but 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 in terms of just from your point of view, your experience, you know, I mean, you've upgraded your audiovisual setup. I know, James, and uh, so have you, TYP, mm-hmm, and, yep. and so have I. So we're yes. all in different places in that regard than we were in 2006. And you know, given that experience, you know, do we feel differently about it now than we did when we started? I, I think. I think. And we we did, we touched on this a few weeks ago, and I think I looked it up and said Christmas of two thousand seven was the first year that the big doorbuster items on Black Fridays were HD TVs, and that was kind of a Rubicon that was crossed where Nintendo's internal teams, when they made the decision to not do HD, must have thought to themselves, "Oh shit," because. If, when you first listen to them talk, they're like, oh, well, nobody has HDTVs. They're not catching on real quick. It's going to be a while before they reach mainstream. And then a year down the line, bam, there they are. And people are getting them in their homes, and the prices are dropping faster than you could ever have imagined they would drop. They, they've become increasingly affordable. And in fact, they're squeezing non-HDTVs out of the market. I mean, it's hard to go to a store but, and buy an SD set right how- now. Not everyone who buys an HD TV really cares that much if we is HD. No, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it was. It's. I'm not saying it was bad there. I'm saying that there there are future watchers who estimated what role HD. But was would play. that really the premise, though? I mean, I, I think. Well, it it's it's their, what they stated was going to. That's what they stated, but that's what they stated. I, I I honestly don't believe they anticipated the expansion that the HD market was going to have. I don't know, but I think I think I think the point that TYP makes is is is, is well taken from the point of view that you know that it's still if you as you say you know because they're becoming so ubiquitous for for a lot of people it may not be so much about buying a HD TV as it is about buying a new TV or yeah. buying or buying a flat screen TV that looks cool yeah, or buy, yeah and you something can hang on that fits. I, I mean, just look at the sales of Blu-rays. I don't I don't think Blu-ray players have taken off really. No, they have. And part of it's probably because you can get HD content through other venues now. But part of it's just that people still watch regular DVDs on it, and they don't know any better. You know, a lot of people are like, what, DVDs aren't HD? I didn't know that, you know? Talking (laughs) to my parents. I mean, so, you know, especially for the the new demographic Nintendo was going for, this, this sort of expanded audience they aren't as tech savvy but coming back again to the the personal element i mean when i bought my wii it was hooked up you know to a crt tv and you know today it isn't and i i think in between uh, it hasn't really made a big difference to me you know i mean i i've 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 gone into a world where you know i play ps3 i've watched tv in hd all that stuff and and we you know it doesn't look great 
but you know, there's, uh, there's still some advantages to having it on a more modern TV in terms of yep. you know, the the, the 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 fully vibrant kind of color that you can get, um, especially in you know some of these more colorful games that are you know, quite prevalent on Wii. Um, and it, I, I to me, it hasn't made a big difference that kind of transition. I was just wondering whether you felt similarly as you've gone through the same thing. For instance, TYP. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have widescreen. But yes, I, mean, I don't really, I don't true. really care too much. The, the only complaint I really have, and it sounds silly, but I wish it supported it like DVI, even though it would maybe only be 480p. Uh, there were projectors out there that I've I've brought things to parties, and I want to connect it to the projector, and the projector only has like a DVI connector and a VGA connector, and it would be nice to be able to plug it into that monitor and. And get a better picture than S video. Because James you know? has his VGA. Box That's right. <laughs> I went through the trouble of ordering from China my super awesome VGA connector that uh that I actually I had to get because because my monitor didn't have any friggin' cables. That yeah, and, and as you Wii. said, well, that that's a practicality concern rather than yeah. A, I, know, the the, uh, the the what is it? The the V Digi cable that is of questionable uh, <laughs> um, manufacture, but at the very least, it works well. Mm-hmm. We'll close out the, uh, the the hardware kind of focus portion of this just to, by saying, uh, was there a point looking at the graphical uh, sort of uh, fidelity in particular? that you said, you know what, I want to see what gaming's cutting edge looks like, and that actually influenced you to buy another console, or was it predominantly for other reasons? I bought my PlayStation 3 because I wanted to play PlayStation 2 games, but wanted something that could (laughs) play newer games as well. Yes, and I bought my 360 because I had a complex mental calculus that I brought into play that said if there was a point where there was a number of games at yeah, their there, current there price... Yeah, there was a tipping point of software. It, it so. was like one and a half times the price of the console, and with the Xbox, I sat there one day and I did the math, and I hit it right after they had the price drop on the 360, and I kept going. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's it. I have to get this game. So, so it was a, the point B, it was, a, it was about the software itself rather than you know what the software kind of represents... The cut, the, a lot of the cutting edge games are games that I'm not terribly interested in playing. I mean, no. I mean, there there are some acceptance, but I mean, I'm interested in Final Fantasy. What is it? Is it 13 Thir- that's coming 13. out? 13. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's one I'll pick up because I've only played one Final Fantasy. I figure I finally own, you know, a modern system that has the contemporary Final Fantasy game. I may as well get it. <laughs> yeah. But and it looks great. But uh, you know, like, I'm I'm not running out there to buy. Uh, even games that have been told that are really good, like Uncharted and Uncharted 2, I really should pick these up. But, I mean, I'm not. I find myself very much in the same position. I mean, I bought a PS3 basically because the value became a lot better, you know, when they cut the price down really severely just yeah. recently. Obviously, you got a good deal on it back when it had backwards compatibility, That's right. which definitely would have raised the value for me if that had ever, you know, because I didn't have a PlayStation 2 and there's plenty of PS2 games I'd like to play. So, I mean, that would have been a big part of it again for me. So it's, it, it, it was about, the software for me I, there was uh, there was never any sort of point where i became disillusioned with with what i was getting out of the wii that kind of led to it no i, I haven't played very many so hd games so far just a handful like batman and uh, dead space but i mean from what i've played i, I do feel there's a sort of complementarity between the experiences that could certainly coexist uh, with with the kinds of things you get on wii but um, we'll we'll move on now into the next sort of segment that I wanted to talk about, which uh, is about innovation. Now, obviously, the whole yeah, you know, it was called the revolution for for oh. years. 
you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and it, that word kind of became almost a pseudo swear word when, when somebody defended something which saying it's innovation. Yeah, but so uh, it was. It was always you know we're back when we knew nothing about it other than it was ostensibly going to be this sort of. Uh, see change in in the way gaming was, was was configured one way or another and of course we discovered that it was you know the, the controller that was going to be such a big part of that so i guess the first thing that i want to concentrate on is you know, what the controller has actually done for our experiences over the last three years versus you know some of our hopes and expectations when it was you know first revealed and you know the, the e3 2006 and all, all that sort of thing so I mean, uh, typ how have you found that motion control has kind of affected the way you play games versus how you would have thought well um i'm surprised that we haven't seen more flying and sword play games and part of that might be because the the motion controls weren't precise enough which is why we're seeing motion plus yeah i mean i think that was probably one of the big realizations that that came pretty quickly yeah was that it was the imprecision of it yeah but uh other than that i mean i've been pretty happy with it. i don't really mind the "Quote unquote fewer buttons or whatnot." I, I mean, I think that it's very satisfying that the games that use the pointer aspect of the of the controller, uh, I found to be very satisfying. Yeah. At least the ones that have good gameplay to go along with that. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And, and and games that like the touchscreen that was overused and then scaled back. Games that are are more subtle and clever about the use of motion controls. Those are. Those are also very satisfying, you know, just tilting your controller for Mario Super New Super Mario Bros. Wii to to shift some platforms. That that's cool. I like that. You know, I don't like the stupid shaking I got in Family Twenty and One Pack, whatever the name of that game was. But, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but uh, you know, so so it goes both ways. And um, but games that actually genuinely are trying to to have a, a fun experience uh, that that aren't quick cashins, I think often do succeed with these controls well, and, and, and the controller has its limitations, but overall I'm, I'm pretty happy with the controller. But my first question about how it's really sort of enhances it, you, what, what has it mostly done? Is it mostly the new experiences, the really new stuff, like the kind of the Wii sports kind of stuff, or, you know, some other things that you might put in that category or the enhancements to more existing gameplay structures. So your, your, your RE4 Wii editions, your, your Metro prime threes, you know, which has been more, significant for you James in terms of the games that you've played I think it's kind of a mix of the two I think that neither has seen I think it's kind of created its own genre of these simple motion games that simply wouldn't have existed without it Sure, and and, and they're very social experiences and it is a brand new experience people love doing the frisbee game you know people love bowling and and they're good good little games I mean they're not I'm not going to yeah, try I mean, to choose one over a... the other. For me, as as a gamer, I care more about the Metroid Prime Three with the pointer control, you know. But mm. but that isn't to dismiss these other con- games with different controls. Oh, no, sure. But I mean, do you think what do you, what do you think has been more successful at really? You know, in terms of looking at the, the volume of titles and 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 how much is brought to the experience. So... I, I'd have to say the casual stuff, just because uh, that's what seems to have caught on in, in, in the public mindshare. And uh, and a lot of the games that might have leveraged the the controller for more traditional gaming experiences uh, have stayed away from Wii because they feel that that's not where the target demographic is. Um, and so I think that just as a combination of what the developers are interested in, in, in doing on Wii, I think that the the Wii Sports type motion control games have been more successful. 
uh, yeah, at least definitely. commercially. Well, yeah, there's definitely the commercial aspect. But, but, but even in terms of just the number of people enjoying it, it, it sure, and what yeah. people think of when they think of Wii, they think of these other motion games. I think the biggest thing for me, what they've, what they've done there in terms of the success, is, is making it inclusive. You're making gaming inclusive again, if you like. You know, people say it was more inclusive years ago when it was simpler. And they've kind of... They have done that, I think, very successfully um, with those kinds of games. But going on to what they've done with some of these these enhancements with with traditional sort of experiences, I mean, how how much have you enjoyed that part of it? I mean, is it, did you feel that you know Metro Prime Three, for instance, was a lot more enjoyable because the control scheme was more elegant, or indeed, you know, Sin and Punishment Two that we discussed earlier is a well, similar. Sin thing. and Punishment Two is definitely more enjoyable on a Wii. Yeah, and Punishment. it had a bad control scheme on the N64. Uh, yeah, well, it, it had an awkward control scheme. As for the Metroid series, uh, I think it was more fun and it felt more fluid on Wii. Whether it was vital to me enjoying it, I, I don't think so. I certainly enjoyed the GameCube games, but I, mm. I, I'm not going to poo-poo something that's an improvement. It absolutely is a good thing. I think the Wii game was just a more fluid game in general. I don't think it had anything to do with the controls. Some of it was the design. Yeah, it wasn't just it wasn't just the the controls. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like we've given some of these other motion games a bad rap too. Like games like Boom Blocks clearly. Well, have been I think but I think Boom Blocks. I mean, if I was going to name some of the, the the new experiences outside of Wii Sports, so that Boom Blocks would be absolutely front. Center. You know, it's yeah. a similar sort of thing. You know, it is social. It's leveraging what's good about the Wii Remote, with the pointer, essentially, and then you know, keeping it sort of limited in terms of the the nuance with just using the accelerometer and things like that. And you know, it, it's it's not the kind of game that I played before, but I've enjoyed right. playing it now, and that's only happened because of the change that was made with the interface. So I mean, right. you certainly have to give credit there. A few other examples I thought of is it was a bit so, some are a bit in between. Like for instance, I mean, Tiger Woods with Motion Plus is radically different from what it was before. It should be. I mean, it's, it, it, that's somewhere between an enhanced experience and a totally new one. Because it is so radically enhanced that it that it's almost is it, is it now is it appreciably better? Oh, I think so. More fun and better. You know what I okay. mean? Like you, you feel like you're more in control. It feels like a better designed game now, but it's also more fun because it's more tactile because it's more physical. So I mean that that for me is is, is quite a big deal. And then another one which is a bit weird is what they did with Pro Evo. Because they sort of turned a sports game, a soccer game, into like a quasi RTS, which is really bit, yeah. interesting and really different. And it, you know, it's leveraging the pointer again. Uh, that again is a kind of experience that we only kind of made possible in the console space. I guess you could have done this on PC, maybe. Before. You could have, yeah. Uh, but well, not that anyone sort of tried. But no, I mean, it's it's, but it does sort of manifest the strategy of sports in a way that games haven't really in the past. Exactly. Unless you exactly. want to count NFL head coach, which in which case <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know much about that, but it always seemed to me to be spectacularly redundant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a bit more of a significant shift in that. But I guess one of the most interesting things about it that, that I, coming into the process when we was in 2006, is you know, we're being told that you know, GameCube was, was all about being you know the, the, the system just for games 
games you know was it like a dvd player like ps2 it didn't have the emotion engine in it or whatever you know it, was it kind plays of, games it was that a was no it. nonsense kind of games was like, supposed to be quicker to develop for easier to develop for and of course when you come to wii i mean that that's doubly true and you, you don't have to burden yourself with hd and all this kind of stuff you know you i don't can think make... i want to use the phrase burden though yeah, well I, it is I, a burden it's a financial burden in terms of you've got to invest you've got to get the the the, the capital to make a game of that kind of scale that that is a burden on you if you have a creative ambition that you want realized and you're going to hitch your wagon to to using hd that is an extra burden to carry before you get to carry through on your vision i mean it, it's also you know could be a great boon to fulfilling your vision but it comes with costs attached yeah it seems like an artificial thing though i mean part of the problem was that that at least Microsoft went out and said, no, you all have to be HD. And I, I guess Sony yes. did the same thing. Aren't all Sony games HD? I, I it, think they mandated 720p, basically. Yeah. It, yeah. If Nintendo had supported HD and have, but say, you know what? It's okay if you just do 480p. We're not going to kill you over it. Uh, that would have made all the difference, I think. I do, I agree with that. That that is, a, if, I know Johnny has raised that point that you know. Yeah, when, Johnny when, mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. When Nintendo, when Nintendo make the jump to supporting HD output, they they almost certainly won't make it mandatory. Um, you know, even for their own games, let alone everyone else's. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. I think I think that that because you shouldn't have to be in a situation where if you want to be, if you want to appeal to the market that that the, the 360 or the PS3 have, you, you're immediately kind of forced to live up to certain standards that really might not be right for your game. Right. It's it's an agenda set by Sony and Microsoft to look like they're cutting edge technology more than caring like, well, just make the game you want to make. It's 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 about it's about perception it's about spin yeah. it's not about creating the game but that's the interesting point so the Wii doesn't have that the Wii is about you've got a new interface you've got this you know the cheap and easy to develop for people could get in let's let's see what you can do and so you might have thought that it'd be this great playground for original ideas and games that we haven't seen before and what I want to know is what you think about in these three years yeah you know, what have we seen that or not maybe in limited 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 games i mean i mean obviously so some of the ones that we've already mentioned would definitely right. qualify but i'm talking right. about this is more about across the whole spectrum of the software library you know it, has there been greater sort of originality and diversity as a result of this or, or not my feeling would be probably not yeah uh, no. i mean publishers are still publishers and they're gonna poo poo high risk things and and i think where we've seen a little more of it possibly is in WiiWare, which i haven't been really been big on but there certainly is is slowly been growing and slowly gaining in diversity yeah i mean um, it's, it's certainly true for i mean digital distribution generally but yeah i mean we yeah. it's definitely been uh, is growing i mean you know it obviously has only been going for about half as long as the week so you're not comparing kind of like with like, but it, it, so I would say it's kind but, of in, in terms of the originality, it's probably ahead. Yeah, you, you're not you're not seeing a bunch of bonkers new ideas coming around. Kind of, you know, I was listening to a recent Retro Nuts episode where they were talking about how when the CD came out with PlayStation, developers started kind of going hog wild and right. and doing all sorts of stuff. Not all of it worked well, but they were trying. And I don't think you've seen that on Wii. No, because the analogy with the CD thing was, look, you were freed from the bondage of cartridges, which were so damn expensive, and you know, you couldn't really be that experimental because you, you know, your game was going to cost so much at retail that 
people were going to expect certain things of it, but it wasn't going to be like a casual buy. They were going to have to fulfill certain needs. Whereas once you had CD games, which were cheaper to publish, and then ultimately people buy at the store, then then maybe you could sell them something that they weren't so sure they wanted, but you know for the right price they would. And the same would be true on Wii. Um, in terms of there's more budget games, they're, they're, they're cheaper than than the than Xbox games anyway. You know, sixty dollars, fifty dollars. But right, I, I I agree with you, TYP. I don't think we've seen that kind of experimental streak manifested I, I th- very I think, strongly. I think part of it is that in the scenario with the PlayStation, the bar was being lowered for the cost to entry. He, in this situation, we kept it about the same. Sure. Uh, yeah, speaking, versus versus yeah. the HD going up more. So it wasn't like all of a sudden you had more slack space in your budget. It's now like, well, we have less budget elsewhere and we have the same for Wii. And, and, it, and it requires you to, to do more thinking than you had to do in previous games too. I mean, you have to you have to accommodate whatever kind of control scheme you decide you're going to adapt for this particular well, game. Well, how about we narrow it down a little bit to Nintendo specifically, first-party output. What have they done? You know, how, uh, is their output more original, more daring than it has been before in total, looking at the, the whole picture? Uh, I think initially it was. I mean, the, the Wii yeah. Sports was definitely very daring. And, and the Wii Fit, that was daring. I mean, there's been a lot of, I don't know, internal development, things that have maybe been thrown on, on the cutting room floor. I don't know what, but... Uh, the output from Nintendo has not been as strong as I would have anticipated. Um, and, and I'm sure there's some reasons, but... Yeah, this is something we're definitely going to return to uh, firmly uh, uh, not too long. But uh, just in the, on this specific point, I think you've seen a polarization in terms of there have been certain games that they, where they're trying to appeal to the expanded audience, which have been right. you know, more daring or, uh, by virtue of, of who they were aiming for originally uh, to begin with. And then the games that have been aimed at their traditional uh, fans or the follow-ups to the the games that were daring in the first place have actually been a little, you know, a bit more turtle shell kind of attitude and and they've played it very safe. We Fit Plus is the perfect example for this. I mean, it's an expansion pack. I mean, let's be... And they they release it as a full-fledged game because, I don't know, I mean, I don't. I honestly can't answer the question of why they released that as a full-fledged game. Is is it because they they were concerned that because they don't have the the downloadable content hard drive space? Basically, see, I thought it was more because they were concerned that their target consumers couldn't. They use don't really it. want to be part of that. They right. want it. You know, it's, this is a retail console, and yeah. so you know, I mean, that that's that's something that they very firmly sort of established. Uh, I mean, going sort of going on to that, then I, I guess the next thing I wanted to talk about is we know. How much they've sold? You know, they've they've sold all these you know sixty million units of consoles. They've sold all these units of Wii Fit to these people that hadn't bought consoles before, or you know certainly hadn't bought Nintendo things before. But I guess the, the main question for me is, you know, is this really creating new gamers, or is it? You know, are they actually remaining engaged with their consoles? Uh, after they've bought them, or did they kind of just hitch their wagon to the to the Wii kind of fad, if you want to wanted to call it that, as some people have. I mean, I don't know about sort of how people's experience of this is in terms of anecdotal evidence. James, for instance, I mean, what's your sense of that kind of uh, issue? I, it, it's become a in people who who sort of bought it for that particular function. It's become sort of like a game they pull out when they have guests over, right? It, yeah. it, it's it's like the board games they keep locked up in the closet that never really come out unless you know they're going to have 
cocktails over at their house and everybody's had a few drinks and now they can go play Pictionary. <laughs> what, and unlike Pictionary, there's now an added element of risk besides someone drawing something that looks like an obscene object, but it's basically <laughs> the same it's basically the same sort of event. <laughs> sort of fun, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's exactly the way I would think of it. I actually wrote that down in my notes is that it, it's for a lot of people it's a lot like a board game. Um and whether or not the board game sticks or it stacks for a few years or if down the road they'll see uh, digital video games as another form of this kind of board game social activity remains to be seen. I don't, I don't think we'll really know mm. until the next system comes out and we'll see, well, why would I need that? I already have my Wii. They might might be saying that. Yeah. Or they might, might say, well, gee, this is a novel new technology too. I, I can enjoy my Wii and I can enjoy this other thing, you know. I can enjoy Monopoly and I can also enjoy Pictionary, you know. So mm, Well, I guess they would definitely have to differentiate the experience in probably a, a, a much different way than we did in the past than just having better graphics and sound. And the casual market is certainly willing to, to buy more technology if they feel there's value. I mean, just look at the right. iPods. I mean, how many iPods do non-techie people own i mean uh yeah so if nintendo can somehow differentiate and it doesn't take much if 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 the ipad's any indicator you differentiate yourself uh to get more yeah i mean i mean they've sold ipod iterations based on that having functionality that the one previous should have already had which they could very easily do with the wii because there is technology (laughs) the wii should have already had yeah so i suppose that's a fair point i mean maybe they're copying apple closer than we thought they were well, yeah, they're pretty well intertwined these days. I mean, one thing you'd have to say is if you look at Wii Sports Resort and Wii Fit Plus, so we've now got these follow-ups, of, of, in a sense, to games that we've had. I mean, they've been very successful. So, you know, I don't know whether we've got, you, you could say there's a widespread case of, you know, if someone bought a Wii for Wii Sports and, you know, they basically they bought it because, you know, they thought it was trendy or they, you know, they thought it'd be fun and, and they didn't like it then you wouldn't think something like Wii Sports Resort would do as well as it has. So I think there's, there's some traction there that, you know, Absolutely. that, that, that pe- people haven't just put it away and forgotten about it forever I, I after I brought my Wii Christmas. to my holiday party at, at work, and, and people enjoyed you know, playing it. And, and, you know, some of them brought their kids over, and the kids, you know, had fun playing Frisbee with Doggy. And, and you know, <laughs> it, people think it's a, it's a cute, fun, maybe a little stupid, but... You know, it's a fun thing to do, <laughs> and, and and so it has staying power. It is not a fad. I mean, I think I think what is more interesting though would be how would a game do if it didn't have the name Wii Sports as, as part of its its name versus well, Carnival Games has done pretty damn well from what I understand. That's true. Yeah, Carnival, and Carnival it's the games. same kind of appeal without the branding, and obviously it's and not a success. It's not a success on the order. Of of those games, uh, Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, uh, but it's certainly relative to its production and everything, it's hugely successful. So uh, that's an important point to keep in mind. Yeah. But what about something like Mario Kart Wii? Now, you know, did anyone buy a Wii for Mario Kart Wii? I'm kind of sceptical, but did a lot it. of people buy Mario Kart Wii? Yes, they did. So Yes, yes, they. it was the wheel, I mean. So there, there must be a lot of people, you know, presumably, that did buy, you know, uh, a, a Wii, perhaps for Wii Sports, perhaps for Wii Fit specifically, that, you know, just looking at the numbers statistically, is a good chance that they went then went and bought Mario Kart Wii, which is a lot more of a, a gamey, uh, to use that kind of wretched term, game it's more of a game a game <laughs> you know much more of a traditional kind of gaming experience uh uh than, than before 
yeah, that suggests also that there is some sort of migration over from the pure social experience. Obviously, Mary Cut We can be quite a social thing with split screen multiplayer as well. Right. But it's not the same as sort of, you know, like you said, kind of cocktail party, Christmas party yeah. kind of thing as, as Wii Sports. It is something different, I think. Well, see, I would like to see what happens with New Super Mario That's Brothers. Exactly Wii. what I was thinking. Because I've brought that to, to social engagements, and I've talked about it on this show, where people who, you know, casually played games in the past, or, or used to play games, enjoyed themselves playing it, but I'm not sure they would go out and buy it themselves without me prodding them on it, if mm. that makes sense. It's selling very well right now, as I understand it. I don't know if it's selling as Christmas gifts to kids, or if it's for adults. I don't know. I don't know how we would find that out, frankly. I'm yeah, not sure well, you could, yeah, I mean. that, that's, uh, some of that stuff is, uh, is is definitely difficult to perceive from the outside, looking at numbers and, and things. I mean, oh, we know that it's done incredibly well in Japan. You know, out it outsold Mario Galaxy in one week. That's, that's so sad. sad. Uh, it is kind of sad in, in many ways. It sad. didn't, it, it, in those terms, it didn't wasn't nearly as nuclear in North America actually, <laughs> but um, it still did extraordinarily well. But one thing I think that's quite interesting about New Super Mario Bros. Wii is is uh, we've talked about this before, but is I think it's probably the most significant quote unquote bridge game yep. as they've talked about in the past before. And, and oh, I think yeah, the, main, the main reason is this: it is a social experience. We've heard all about that, but I think compared to Mario Kart Wii, and definitely compared to, to uh, Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, it is a robust single-player experience. It is plausible that people buy it to play together, but find they enjoy playing it on their own. And once they find they enjoy playing that on their own, they might find they enjoy playing various other games on their own. You know, so it's 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 an interesting thing that, you know, with Wii... They've made gaming more inclusive. That's such a big part of what they've done. But at some point, to sell more software, you've got to very slyly make it less inclusive again and actually get people to think of it in terms of a, a, a private experience just for them that they can enjoy. And I think New Super Mario Bros. Wii is, is much more credible to do that than Mario Kart Wii's one-player moment, yeah. frankly. No. <laughs> See, I think... I think what we originally expected them to do, and I know I'm I'm on the record for having said this, is they were going to create sports-based games based around the Wii Sports games themselves and, and sort of expand it. And we sort of saw that with, what was it, Super Mario Sluggers? You had Sluggers, the... but it didn't work really the same way. No, it way. didn't. And it didn't work economically the way you would have expected that to work either. It, it did okay. Hey, look, yeah, I think no, it, it did okay, something. but it, I we, think it, it was definitely profitable. Let's, let, yeah, yeah let's well, not... well, that's not saying much. I mean, they didn't spend a they didn't break the bank on that game. Yeah, but, um, it, but you know, profit's profit at the end of the day. But, I mean, I know what you mean. It, that part of the bridge game uh, component that, that you might have thought kind of just literally making games that were more full-featured experiences based on the little slices that you yes. get in something like a Wii Sports, that really hasn't happened a whole lot. I mean, that's not the kind... New Super Mario Bros. Wii is a completely different kind of bridge game. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not working from the in other any side, way related to anything Ta- that's Tiger in Woods game. is a, maybe a good example of the embellishment on the, on the golf game. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, that's working with an established brand... Uh, right, uh, uh, which, but yeah, I agree. I think it could serve the same purpose, um, and it, and its success on Wii suggests it, that it that it may have done that. Although mm-hmm. there is there is already a sizable fan base for Tiger Woods that may have simply sort of migrated onto Wii because they like the idea of using the Wii remote to to do it. Right. Yeah, 
Definitely. And I think I think what's interesting is that they haven't tried like is it possible that the reason why they didn't achieve any sort of major crossover success is because of the branding? If they made a game called Wii Sports Baseball, which they promised is a more full featured version of what you can already play, would it have sold better than Mario Baseball even if it was appreciably the same game? I don't know. I mean, because some people can say, well, I already have baseball on my Wii Sports. Why do I need baseball again? Yeah, if they said, you can actually play a real game of baseball. Yeah, I, I, well, it, I mean, this is it. I, I, I would like to see it put to the test, just out of curiosity. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that it. would be a very interesting experience to see what they would, and, and not just out of curiosity how it would be received, but how Nintendo would handle it. What yeah, and I, well, the game itself would be intriguing. The I, game I mean, and the marketing. It, well, now that you've got Motion Plus, I mean, you, you, be, you could definitely rationalize it on the grounds of we've made everything about it better. I mean, because it, it certainly would. Yeah, benefit. we can map your pitch. Yeah, you can do. You can map your swing. You can do all this stuff you couldn't do before. Where before it was just like, hey, you have the remote kind of tilted up. Okay, we're gonna put the bat that way. I guess the most interesting thing to talk about when we talk about New Super Mario Bros. Wii coming out now and all that is that, you know, it's been three years. I mean, there has not been that much bridging going along. It seems like Nintendo has actually been far more comfortable serving the two kinds of markets somewhat separately. That's a fair statement. And, yeah, and I think it's. I think it may have been hard for them to determine how to make that bridge. It's not. It's not something that's painfully obvious. You could say, "Oh, well, you do this, this, and this," and you've created yourself a bridge game. No, I think it's a, it's a problem that they've grappled with, and I think they've been su- plenty successful at, 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 at sort of serving the the, thing, uh, the markets discreetly. That they haven't necessarily diverted all their attention to it, at least not not yet. But um, I, again, I think that there's there's plenty of the story left to be told on that one. Well, we'll move now into sort of the the real beat, the final part of the discussion, which is how well Nintendo has served us, the Nintendo fans, the long-time players of Nintendo games in this generation so far, compared with previous generations, really. And and it's a pretty good comparison with GameCube because it did only last about three years. So um, I get the, the, the headline question for me is, has the quality of Nintendo's games aimed at you know, the traditional players, uh, to start with, let's say, being maintained through this generation compared to previous ones? I'd say yes for the most part. I mean, Super Mario Galaxy was fantastic. I really loved Twilight Princess. Um, yeah, I would some, agree some, on Some people uh, maybe didn't, but I, I loved it. And Metroid was absolutely stellar. The, the real problem was that these games came out and then there was this sort of hole in the schedule where people yes. got, became bitter uh, rightfully so, because <laughs> there, there was nothing there. Um, I mean, there was. There was Animal Crossing, Mario Kart, but those games nothing I felt were, were not as marquee titles or not as high quality as I would have expected. So maybe the second tier has taken kind of a hit in my mind, because Animal Crossing was very, very, very conservative. Mario Kart for Wii was very, very, very conservative. Um, and, yes. and so I, I could argue that the top tier games, marquee games, absolutely are fantastic. They're second tier traditional gamers, maybe taking a backseat. Maybe they've outsourced a little more of that work. Um, maybe they have a little less of it. You know, where's Kirby? Where's Star Fox? You know, yeah. so, so Wario Land turned out great. I love that. It didn't really sell all that well. But uh, so mm. I don't think the quality, I mean, Nintendo can still make really good games and they, they still are making really good games. If anything, it's it's their 
the fact that they aren't spacing these games that are for us, so to speak, well, they're not. They're not the schedule. There seems to be. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a very interesting sort of point because obviously, be, you know, we know strangers to some of these uh, these gaps, these droughts yeah, uh, in previous console generations. Obviously, James are very fond of recounting the N sixty four era, as yes. are we all. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm not fond of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, you want to do it, but yes. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, so that's not. But I suppose the difference is, is that the N sixty four was an extremely difficult machine to develop for, and oh, they were pioneering in the realms of three D. Whereas right. here we've got what's ostensibly cheap and quick and easy to develop for, and and you know this is something I've certainly said before, and it, I think many times and it continues to to be true. It seems is that it still surprises me how they have struggled to fill the schedule. You know, resorting even to a a, a raft of games GameCube ports at yeah. one point earlier this year um, when when the whole thing was, well, you know, now we could just be about creating games rather than trying to wrap our head around how a system works and you know, spend all this money making them. So cl- definitely quality has not been my issue. It's, it's, it's quantity and spacing. And I think part of it is we don't know what's on the cutting room floor. I think Nintendo is very careful about what they're releasing, at least from internally developed games and uh, I think there's a lot of upending of tea tables going on within yeah well obviously we know about stuff like Project Hammer we know about stuff like what happened with Disaster oh, uh, the, 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 difficult, the yeah. difficulties of Disaster which was ultimately released very late however those were touted they were put out there in a launch window where they probably wanted to show as much stuff as they could right. to kind of embellish the you know, what they had uh, you know, to try and prop up uh, the, the software lineup. Now, those kinds of incidents, if you like, where games kind of <laughs> go down the toilet, they essentially uh, uh, are probably uh, are, are kept from us completely. So yeah. it may well be that we've seen many more Project Hammers, actually. Uh, there will never that, be another Project but, Hammer. But, but we don't actually, it's not in the public domain. Yeah. And I think perhaps one of the reasons for that may have been that even Nintendo themselves, and perhaps us as gamers in terms of our expectations, have underestimated the difficulties of actually creating a good game based around the new controls that Mm -hmm. ultimately it hasn't been such a walk in the park to develop for because you've probably had a lot of developers going up blind alleys getting to a point where they go this this just isn't working with these controls and have it and have it a call it a day yep and nintendo has the funds to be able to do that compared to some other companies where well we know it isn't perfect we know it isn't working out but we need to you know, get some of our money back, so we're going to release this anyway. Uh, Nintendo doesn't really need to do that. And, no, and you know, that's, if, that's and, true. and if you extrapolate on, on their attitude towards things like online play, for like, you know, New Super Mario Brothers Wii, I agree it shouldn't have been in there. It wouldn't have been good. You know, Mimo says like, well, well, he didn't say this. He should have said, we don't want to put online in there because we don't think it'll it'll work well given our infrastructure. And so, if you extrapolate that attitude towards entire games, you see. Well, if we've been working on this a year, but we just don't think that it, it'll make you know a good impression on people, it'll cheapen our image. We're we're just going to ditch this project and go work on something else. I fully believe they've done that. I I, I think that's true. They, they definitely would exercise that kind of quality control internally, and, and, and you one could argue that Nintendo of America exercised that quality control with Disaster Day of Crisis, where Nintendo yes. of Europe and Japan did not, which is an interesting example in itself. 
um, the, 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 the regional subsidiary would actually take that responsibility on itself. Yeah, well, that, that's somewhat uncharacteristic for a company that, generally speaking, hasn't allowed many of their territories to execute much regional control. No, that's been a big difference over the past three years that I have been quite surprised by, is that you have seen, you know, Europe has been more enterprising. It did think, for instance, Nintendo of Europe picked up Zack and Wiki because Capcom yes. weren't going to publish it in Europe, basically. And, 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 and you saw this some in the past with Nintendo of America, where they were allowed to do a little bit more of their own decision-making. But you've never seen it with Nintendo of Europe, and God forbid Australia try to do anything. They might they, they might just be invaded. I mean, There have been great leaps forward, I think, uh, and, and obviously uh, as... as we has become a more successful enterprise in Europe. It's sort of become a virtuous circle to some extent, you know, and uh, you see that with things like Leighton, where Leighton was, was very successful in Europe and then was essentially kind of remarketed in America on that basis and then did even better there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some, so it's, there's some interesting dynamics between the regions going on. There. And, and, and not to get off too off topic here but that that might be sort of an expression of of the management that's come into play since it, it's a long-term process including things like basically starting with Awada coming in and maybe that's more his management style than the iron fist control <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it, it does show the benefits of federalism where you can say all right you make a decision and then we'll evaluate it as a company and see if we can apply it to all of our reasons instead of just what yeah, you, do. you know, see see what works. So instead having a, a a sort of a breeding ground for different approaches is uh, that you can kind of apply elsewhere. But I mean, go, so go back to some of these issues about you know the, the how well we've been satisfied by the games themselves on Wii for you know the, that are the more traditional experiences. One thing I've been really surprisingly pleased with is just the, the not just the, the games that are aimed at, at gamers, you know, sort of what you know, traditional gamers, but you know, old school games, you know, going back to the 8 bit and the 16 bit eras of gameplay have been very well served. Obviously, there's the virtual console. Which you know, for me has been, I would say, has been a huge part of just re-engaging me with gaming in general. I mean, I, I continue to like those kinds of mm-hmm. experiences, and it, you know, the virtual console is a great, you know, even with its issues. And obviously, we dedicated a, a whole feature to this some episodes ago, so we're not going to uh, rehash that too much. But you know, it, it is a great fountain of those kinds of experiences but look at new games you've got WiiWare yes you know and you've got things like Mega Man 9 and the Rebirth games and all that but you know Warrior Land New Super Mario Brothers Wii Punch-Out you know, A Boy in His Blob I mean just this this year plus yeah all of a sudden it's this this fountain of of traditional school experience which if we go back to 2006 that is not in my thinking whatsoever no Definitely I would never have imagined, you know, when we're talking about getting even farther away, you know, it seemed to me, with all this motion control stuff, like, the idea that we'd have this, this rebirth of Punch-Out, and it's, it's so similar to the old game, but it, it's wonderful and it's new at the same time, that, I would not have envisioned that whatsoever. Well, I, I think it's because there, there are three overlapping uh, markets, or maybe three markets, two of them w- of which overlap. I mean, across the board, you're seeing uh, a desire for retro gaming. Um, I mean, you, right. you see games like this on the PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade as well that that are new but but old school, and that sort of that market is overlaps with the modern traditional 
gaming market, but there are certainly people that care more about traditional gaming and, and people, lapsed gamers or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. And so it's almost like there are three markets there, and, and the Wii certainly caters to all three of them. No, it, it's true. I mean, I, but I, I, I'm just really pleasantly surprised by how how well that sort of blossomed and i i know not all of them have necessarily sold absolutely well um but it, it but it's still you know even though there might not have been the biggest commercial successes in every case it seems to me that it just wouldn't you know especially a retail level something like punch out you you're not really seeing that you wouldn't see that kind of game obviously you wouldn't see punch out on another system but you know you you're not seeing that kind of game or you know this 2d kind of resurgent with stuff like muramasa mm. and, you know, that's not going to happen it's, it's definitely reassuring to see that these games are still viable because you know for a very long time it was always oh well 3d is the way of the future and why are you playing that stupid little 2d puzzle game over there you know yeah the, 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 there's a maturation going on where they're coming to coexist and that the Wii, with all its talk of you know disruption and all that is actually part of that process which is which is kind of uh, interesting and comforting at the same time i think uh, yeah. so i mean that that would be one of my biggest uh, the the biggest sort of uh, plus points about the kind of software that i've been able to play on Wii over the past three years. Well, I guess where I would probably be the most disappointed is in what I would call sort of games that are that are focused on long-time gamers, but that are progressive in their ideas. You know, so the, you know, some some of the kind of things that you would get on the HD consoles, but not necessarily you know FPSs with RPG elements or whatever. Not just that kind of stuff. You know, but the things that are building on. Uh, the games that we had on the GameCube, but you know, ejecting them with original ideas and things like that. We haven't seen too much of that from Nintendo or anyone else, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the stuff like Boom Blocks and all that is probably more notable than you know. The, like I said, uh, I've said before, you know, the Nintendo sort of new Pikmin. Where where is that? You know, I mean, they haven't been the best at it. At the, well, at any and, time, and, the, but... and the best we have out of that. The closest example we have, besides the, the the new play Pikmin, is a game that doesn't even use the pointer, and that's um, Little King Story. Yeah, and it doesn't even use the damn thing. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's sort of um, it's it, you know it's certainly progressive in some ways. The way it incorporates RPG elements into the Pikmin kind of uh, action RTS structure. But at the same time, it, it, it's kind of backward. It's it, kind of it, retrograde. It, <laughs> it foregoes the most obvious advance you could make. Very curious, <laughs> indeed. Yes, and uh, I mean that. But that is the kind of game, yes, that I would think. You know, because it's a, uh, it, it is, you know, in many ways, you know, the kind of game that would appeal to long-time gamers. But it's, but it's original. You right. know, it's, it, you know, it's not just sort of uh, rehashing the same old things and and uh, i mean i think that's probably where we has been weakest for frankly and and that's why i think you know there for those that have played little king story you hear quite a lot about it because it's uh you know it's a really fine example on the right. system despite some of its flaws um i i can't i'm i'm trying to think of a game that is obviously building on games we already play but i'd say super mario galaxy is as close as i can think of from a first party perspective in terms of more of a polished experience that that builds upon kind of in the same way Little King's story, I mean, they really streamlined the camera system and, and yes. they, they introduced some interesting new gravity mechanics and, and things like that that really, you know, are, are true increments on what we've seen before that, yeah, that, that, I mean, that are compelling. I think that's 
I think that's a good example, definitely. And some of the ones that we talked about earlier, like, uh, you know, what the controls could bring to Metroid Prime 3, for instance, or something like that, is is definitely true. And, I mean, I, I think probably one of the biggest things in this area that's yet to come is is the next Zelda, you know, which is supposed to actually be a progressive Zelda because we haven't really had yeah. one on consoles a for, game for quite that you, a while. Like you haven't played before. So uh I think uh, that that is gonna be a huge, huge sort of test of, of Nintendo's sort of uh abilities in those areas. I mean I suppose it doesn't do that much good to kind of go over the the third party stuff uh, again um, it's something that gets discussed quite regularly in emails and all that sort of thing. But I mean, just going back to 2006, it's interesting sort of uh, change of uh, that we've had because one might have thought that third-party support on Wii would be weak in 2006 because you don't know how well it's going to sell. And it was. But uh, the funny thing is, is that Wii has now become this this juggernaut commercially that the GameCube was never anything close to and yet we still have the third party problem um so uh, it's a case of uh expectations being met but for different reasons than we probably thought it was going to be right it's funny because in 2006 we had publishers who had decided they were going to really support the wii ubisoft <laughs> ubisoft being the, the, the worst example <laughs> but but they best slash worst that they really supported it <laughs> the, the, by, the quintessential example no it? no worst <laughs> is the correct word they really supported it by by basically just saying all right we're going to do the minimum effort in order to get as much content on here as possible and and the net result was surprise surprise it didn't sell and i think that turned off a lot of well yeah to be fair they had some success i mean you know red steel and the rabbits games you know at launch they did quite well but of course at launch you know consumers get funneled down a finite number of roads you remember they also they also had like seven or eight games in the launch window they did yeah some of them were 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 certainly but i think that was a sort of uh you know a spread strategy if if you like Uh, and and most of them were were ports of games that weren't that good to begin with which was the funny part because they ported over was it blazing angels which i never heard anybody say man you've got to play blazing angels well perhaps so but as time has gone on there's been some notable failures of of third-party games on wii and all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. and you know in many ways i think some people think it's actually sort of more dire than it was on gamecube in a weird way well it's more depressing because even though they're the market leader they still don't have good third-party support it's like well it'll never happen now is kind of the yes uh, yeah i think i think that is it what's the old is the new new or whatever you want to say i mean (laughs) has always and will always have this problem with third parties because let's face it they they are the juggernaut of their system and and uh, you know ever since the super nintendo era whatever after that it'll just never be the same i mean i i suppose that is what we what we've learned and also you know that gaming has become so big that even if Nintendo is the clear market leader, third parties could still have this whole other playground to operate in, which is still a big pie to yes. get money out of on the other systems. Yeah, just because yeah, now the market leader is not so all powerful as it was once before. You know, before because because the industry is just so much bigger in an absolute sense. Um, so that, that's definitely a part of it. And, uh, but I mean, as a result of some of these issues about 
you know, what Nintendo's done, the third party situation. What genres do you, have you felt the absence of? RPGs. Yes. So even relative to the GameCube? I think the entire generation is lacking in, in quality RPGs at this point. Yeah, there, has, there hasn't been a marquee one yet. Well, it's very odd that, for, that we've waited this long for Final Fantasy XIII. I no, mean, it's that's not. unusual that's square. For, for Square to take so long to move in the market for, for, uh, for this generation. Well, I, that, part of that's because they, 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 they were inextricably tied to Sony, and I think... Well, some they were of it kind is of, because they've mustered-ballsed it up, frankly. They were kind of jarred by, by what happened, I think. I think they kind of sat back and went... <laughs> Maybe, but, uh, and of course, uh, they've they've ended up uh, now with a 360 version on the way. Yeah. But, I mean, on the on the Wii side, yeah, I mean, RPGs, I mean, I'm not an RPG gamer, really, so I've been insulated from it in terms of my experiences, but... Um, I suppose the other one would be would be first person shooters. Yeah, that's and that's just stupid. which is strange. Yeah. Yeah, because of course one of the first demos for the uh, for the Wii was with Metro Prime Two working with the new controls, and yes. of course we had Metro Prime Three and all this. It seems like you would have been able to create some really interesting uh, first person experiences on Wii, and yet. It hasn't happened at all, despite nope. the fir- despite the fact that the genre in general is every bit as powerful as it's ever been. Yeah. Well, and not just that; it's on a system that, when we first saw its control, said, "Oh, this is going to be awesome for first person." Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of getting closer to mouse and keyboard, which has always been the other uh, the, yeah. the uh, held on a pedestal as a way of playing. It's FPS. unfortunate that the target demographic for for the mass market first person shooter. The target demographic really cares about graphics as well, and therefore, yes. I think a lot of publishers mm. make make the decision to focus on what they can market in terms of visuals over a control scheme. Right. Well, it's hard to show a control scheme in a commercial. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It's unfortunate. And first-person shooter genre is one area where you can definitely make this argument that if Nintendo had actually gone and done for the horsepower, they would have just sort of eaten up that market. I mean, it would have been gangbusters, in my opinion. If they could have married your top-flight graphical performance yeah. to the Wii interface, yes. I mean, now, I think, would uh, they made more of a profit if they'd done that? Maybe not, and that's probably why no, they didn't I, do no, it. No, I, I think I think you're right, but it, it, they might have captured some of that FPS market, whatever that does for you. But I, I do think also there's been some missed opportunities with FPS, or well, just first person in general, in terms of trying to create different kinds of first person experiences that are leveraged on the fact that you've got a more fluid interface yeah. you know that you're not let's make a game that really you couldn't make on the the PS3 or the 360 because it would just be unreasonable to ask people to be that good at steering two analog sticks but with what we've got you know it's fine you know we, we you know, because first, I'm not a FPS guy at all and you know that's my taste. And, you know, nothing against the quality of the games that are out there. But some of the reason is, is I find they are slow. They are just you know, on consoles. They are just slow, not immediate experiences. I sort of struggle to get into it. But I think you know, on Wii, you could actually create something that is more sort of instantly gratifying, that's faster paced, and all that. But when people make first-person shooters on Wii, it's something like the Conduit, which is just me too to every yeah. first-person shooter that's ever been made on any console. 
And I just think that's the fundamentally wrong approach. You need to do something that's going to give people a reason to say, this could only be done on Wii. Not, oh, look how close we got to actually good graphics. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, there, there's certainly a hole for something that's like a really exploratory first-person, almost PC adventure-style exploratory game. Where, mm. where you're actually walking yeah. around and exploring things as a first-person perspective and, and opening up drawers and stuff. Um, I think that could be really cool. Or you could even do something like that with like a Phoenix Wright series, although that's a really budget series. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but, you know, that kind of gameplay, marry it with something like Carmen San Diego or whatever, where <laughs> I think I think it could be some really, really cool uh, things there. And, and, and I don't think that really has been tapped. No, I think the first-person perspective in general, leaving aside the issue of, sort of shooters or um, an action game yeah. in first person, you know, there's been you know, Metro Prime's obviously, you know, something that's there. And you, you've got the horror games, I guess. Yeah, that's closer. Uh-huh. I haven't played any of them, but I mean, they're not generally being that well received. Some of the first-person horror games, you know, the the flashlight games, if you like. Uh, like, you know, Fatal Frame had its control issues in Japan and has, has not been greenlit for anywhere else. No. And then the, 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 the grudge game is getting roundly uh, ridiculed for being poor. I, I think it's remained sort of unmined territory for sure. I mean, what, any any others you think that have really been, any other genres that have been uh, underutilized? I, I think the flight genre. Yeah, absolutely, flight genre. uh I really thought we would see an airplane game where you fly around holding your your Wii yeah. like an airplane and or some sort of pilot wings type thing. Well, I mean, I guess that brings me on to an, uh, one, perhaps one of the last things we'll look at for, for this is that what do you think about the choices that Nintendo's made about which you know, of its franchises that it's kept going and which ones it hasn't? I mean, we've had some weird callbacks like Punch-Out! Out of Nowhere, Sin and Bloody Punishment is is kind of bizarre um, to, to come back. But on the other hand, Star Fox is still not back. Pilot Wings is inexplicably absent. I mean, how, your general kind of thoughts on, on that and, and the fact that actually Metroid is, is continuing to be supported... Uh, which I thought was quite surprising. Well, you know, part of it might be when I think about the, the games that we just mentioned, uh, Pilot Wings and um, what was it, Star Fox. It, you know, uh, maybe that Nintendo just doesn't know what team to give this task to because Pilot Wings was made by what Paradigm? Paradigm, yeah, sixty four, yeah. And uh, and Star Fox, I mean, they made it internally. They don't seem that interested in, in, in doing it again, and they've had failures outsourcing it for the most part. So. Uh, I could see them just saying, like, well, we, I don't know what to do with this. We, we're just going to sit on it for now. So you think it might not be so much of a d- deliberate thing as, as just, you know, the, the opportunity hasn't presented itself, whereas, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, it came up with, with Next Level for Punch-Out, for instance, and it was just, you know, something that happened kind of organically, yeah, you know, I, rather I think, than I think we abs- will bring back Punch-Out, you know, kind yeah, of... Uh, I, I think that's absolutely the case, and I think that's why we don't have a, a Kirby game on our Wii either, is that Alice <laughs> sort of is fizzled out for the most part. I don't know what they're working on now. I mean, the, the, you know, we, we all talk about how Japan-centric Nintendo is, and Kirby games continue to perform extraordinarily ordinarily well in Japan. So it's it's quite remarkable that we don't have a console Kirby game. Although obviously they've always been very associated with handheld. Yeah. So once once it's a game that Nintendo isn't really interested in, in doing as a EAD or intelligent systems, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it, it becomes much more challenging and they I think they've been burned a couple of times on on their uh, partnerships with third parties either 
internally how they feel like I'll, even though we love f-zero gx or whatever and Miyamoto yeah. said something like he didn't like it and then you have games like wario master of disguise that just sort of abominations oh. and even even wario world that was with Kirby treasure Squeak wasn't Squad. terribly good so no, you know nice. I, I think they're they're maybe starting to just sort of think harder about who they partner with for some of these games and and i'd love for i'd love for them to do it internally but apparently they just don't want to do another star fox I, they haven't got the haven't got the bandwidth apparently or the interest maybe they you know like well we're not well, interested yeah, in it, that, and if we're not too, interested yeah. in it, we're not going to make it a good game so why bother i mean that could be as simple yeah, as that, yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's true you shouldn't force it well i guess we'll uh we'll come to the close then of obviously i mean this is uh, a pretty broad ranging topic i mean these in many ways are the things that we talk about on a week-to-week basis but i thought it'd be interesting to, to bring them all together for this uh, end of the year show and uh, indeed we did have an email not so long ago from uh, wyatt in new hampshire who asked us sort of about how we felt about the wii software lineup uh, to date and obviously this is uh, very much a core part of what we've been discussing here so uh, thanks to Wyatt for sending that in it certainly spurred on this was your surprise mailbag yeah, it's right. surprise extended You didn't see that coming. <laughs> Stealth mailbag. <laughs> yes, yeah, you've been listening to mail all along. Eh? You feel like you've had the rug pulled out from under you now. <laughs> but yeah, before we, before we wrap up, I guess to, just to sum up our sort of feelings on it, general kind of overall satisfaction with the generation to date, James, would you, would you characterize how you feel about we uh, compared with what you thought it was going to be? Uh, more satisfied than with the GameCube and less satisfied than the N64. Not mm-hmm. excluding the last two years of the N64's lifetime. <laughs> Which is a big exclusion, but excluding those last two uh, years. You know what? The last two years of the N64's life's underrated. Majora's Mask, yeah. Sin and Punishment in Japan, Paper Mario... Perfect it would be dark. fine if that was the last six months of the N64. It's true, actually. It was the very, very end of the, the, where it got good again. It's, it's, it's it was like, well... I mean, if they mashed all the games from those two years into, say, a year or eight months, that would have been a solid software lineup. But spread over 24 it's tr- months? Uh, you know, it's true. It, 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 but I think it went out on, a, on something of a high note with some of those it games. Did. And, and, and it's amazing to think that some of those games made the jump over to the GameCube. And then that's, that's right, yeah, of course, because of uh, Eternal Darkness and, uh, and, and Dinosaur, Dinosaur Planet. Planet. Yeah, and a few others. I mean, <laughs> the eternal classic Dinosaur Planet. It will be very interesting to see you know, how many, you know, because again, also, I think the Super NES had plenty of really, really excellent late titles. Well after the, th- the three years, whereas, of course, the GameCube uh, Jungle Beat. I mean, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. struggling beyond that, really. Jungle Beat's a solid title. But um, I, you're right. I mean, if if we and whatever the next Nintendo console game are not redundant, and I don't think they will be based on, on uh, what Nintendo says, they seem to want to do some different interface, uh, I think there is a good likelihood there will be some late support for it, like we saw with the SNES. Because yeah. if there's such a big difference in control schemes, like there was between the SNES and N64... It makes sense. I mean, I also think that you, you, we've had the situation with Motion Plus. We've had the situation with this period where they seem to be struggling for games because they've, uh, you know, had the ports from GameCube and all this sort of stuff. And I, 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 I rather suspect that that you know is past us now. And in fact, things will improve somewhat uh, as as we go on. And certainly, Zelda, Metroid, Other M, Galaxy Two, and uh, Pikmin. Uh, could well form the backbone 
of uh, of a nice sort of 18 months uh, to two years that are ahead of us. Um, so I'm kind of optimistic about the future in that regard. But in terms of the three years so far, uh, for me, I would say, you know, actually I've been very pleased with it in in many ways i've kind of reconnected with gaming to a greater extent uh, than uh, certainly the, those last couple of years of the gamecube have kind of went into a bit of a, a dormant kind of period as, as a gamer i think uh although the ds has a lot has a big role to play as well certainly in that but uh you know I, it, because i think mainly because of that that sort of un, un, unexpected resurgence in sort of very classic gaming experiences and gameplay but i've appreciated the new stuff too and and especially with motion plus which you know has been kind of a disappointment so far with how weakly it's been supported yeah. i still think that the best may yet be to come I guess I tend to agree. I, I I've honestly been a little underwhelmed by Wii. Oh, don't. I mean, uh, there's there's as we've talked about, but there are many aspects that have been underwhelming. But yeah. it, to, if I had to encapsulate it all, I'd say I was fairly. I can't deny the enjoyment I've had over the past three years. Uh, you know, the, it has been it has been a lot of fun actually. <laughs> Natural conclusion. Yeah, I think so. so. I think that's going to wrap it up for this show, and that is going to wrap it up for RFN in the space year 2009, even though we will still be recording an episode in the said year <laughs> next week. Oh, that's right. We will, won't we? Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll see you in a new decade, or at least I won't be there, but you'll see Greg <laughs> and James and, and Johnny and John in a new decade, or hear them in a new decade. New decade, same immaturity. Hopefully we will indeed be back, yes, and we'll enter in our third year, third wow. year uh, at the helm of RFN. It's, it's, it's felt like an awfully long year for me, personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time to mention that uh, I will have edited every week but two, one of which was E3 and one of which was the opening of the NFL season, which is obviously my Christmas. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, that's it's, yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been a lot of work, but you know it's also been uh, very rewarding. So I, I, I always want to thank the listeners who send in their. Uh, thoughts and appreciation uh, for the show because it does make it somewhat more tolerable to stare at those waveforms for about 10 hours every week. As the editor of my own podcast, I have great respect for for what Greg puts himself through every week because he, you know, four people, here's three, but usually he has four people to deal with, sometimes five, and it's much longer than radio trivia. So he's the unsung slash sung hero. We do get we do get uh, lots of you know appreciation for all sorts of you know, for for the show being regular and all that and that's that is probably what I appreciate the most. So on that topic, we will in the next decade still be needing your listener mail. So make sure you get that into rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. You too could possibly have an extended feature come out of your listener mail one day? Probably not. But I doubt it. Probably a you know, 10 minute segment in which five of it is devoted to Rocky IV. Uh, that was, <laughs> at that at was... least. We, look, we haven't a had a good we haven't had a good <laughs> Christmas robot toy. I, I need to figure out exactly how much of, of, of the audio we can use and it still be fair use. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure if we split it out like we do like a, this is your 
10 second Rocky Four clip over the next year we could get most of the movie in by the end of RFN for 2010 it is it is a classic and uh, also don't forget to uh, rate and review on iTunes well, that's another great way for people to find the show and with that that's all there is left for RFN in this decade so I'll see you in the next one bye bye everybody bye bye <laughs> I was just commenting that they, they hopefully learned their lesson because it, I, I threw out Kirby Squeak Squad because yes. in my mind it, it and Master of Disguise are two titles that are inextricably linked despite having different developers. Absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you. Like the, those two games should have come bundled in a package together called Do Not Buy. These games <laughs> well, are not. Well, good. I tell you what, plenty of people bought Squeak Squad in Japan. That's kind of I what know. I was well, to, people right? didn't buy it in America because he looked so unhappy. <laughs> Damn you, boys! <laughs> Shake his that fist game was off. half finished. It was chucked out the door because the developer was going under. <laughs> yeah, it's as simple as that.